Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of June 17th, 2021, including Xbox and Bethesda held their massive E3 2021 showcase this past week, Halo Infinite looks so sexy that we might not live to see tomorrow, Forza Horizon 5 is real and coming soon, and more. should serve as a pretty obvious tease as to what games I'm most excited about from E3, but welcome to the big Xbox on E3 2021 extravaganza. You guys, thank you so much for your patience. As we mentioned last week, I I literally, at the time of this recording, just got back from a a trip. I was out of town visiting some family, so I wasn't, I was unable to do a, uh, a hot drop episode, uh, as, as they say on YouTube, I was unable to do a immediate reaction, kind of get the podcast out a little earlier than usual, which is what my initial plan was to do. But nonetheless, here's the show on its regular schedule. We are going to get into all the shenanigans that have happened over the past week uh, due to the E3 pandemic. Um, but just to give you a quick idea of what to expect, this week's show is obviously going to be just a little bit different because the nature of this being the biggest week in the year for video game news. So rather than just the very standard run of show, uh, what I'm going to do is take all this massive amount of news and try to fit it into that mold, but but deviate wherever necessary. So we'll have comments in the beginning, but we won't do too many of them. What I've done is I've tried to take the comments this week and sprinkle them throughout the news and things like that wherever necessary. Um, it's not it's not too overwhelming, so I, it, it will be a shorter news segment than normal but we will uh we will address all the big uh comments that we got nonetheless they just might be you know popping up in weird places additionally no corrections because i don't do nothing wrong ever and then as for news we're basically going to go conference by conference so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that once uh once the news starts but guys this is either you know up until just before I hit record, I was thinking this might be the longest episode of Xbox on in history. It's got to be at least like three to three and a half hours, right? Because we got to go over, you know, not just obviously all the big Xbox stuff, but all the other companies that had press conferences, plus the Summer Games Fest, plus just the regular news that of which there was a, a decent amount of. Like, this is going to be a big episode. And I thought about it, I'm like, yo, you watch like the one episode where we really buckle down and get super serious about attacking the news. We're probably just going to have like a really clean hour and 20 minute podcast or something. So we'll find out. But uh, yeah, with that all out, out of the way, guys, I'm very excited to talk to you about Xbox at E3, Bethesda and Xbox at E3 this year. I want to start out real quick by addressing my E3 predictions. So if you listen to last week's episode all the way through to the end, I dropped a little surprise for for the few of you that, that hang out to the very end, and I gave you my E3 predictions. It was just five quick predictions. We didn't linger on it too much, but these were five things I was certain that we would see at the showcase, and I want to just go through them real quick and do a yes or no so we can tally up my points and see how I performed. So my first prediction, I had five of them, and these were in no particular order. They're just five random predictions. But my first one was that my first prediction was that one fable gameplay would not be shown still. Uh, and I was right. I got I get a point for that. Unfortunately, I was right. 
My second my second prediction was that Phil Spencer at some point would say something about letting gamers choose how and where they want to play. I think I got a point for that one. Uh, he, he he did his you know the PR like uh, players at the center of the gaming sphere or whatever. So I'll give myself like half a point on that one. And then it, I was pretty surprised by how little Phil Spencer was at this this uh, event, honestly. And then for three, I put Xbox working with Sega and Disney to make an exclusive Sonic at Disney World video game made with me in mind. So I did not get that one right. Unfortunately, that is a point I missed. Uh, my fourth prediction was that Halo Infinite would have a great showing, uh, but still disappoint fans anyway because they're insufferable. Honestly? Surprisingly, I think I missed this one because it looks like people's reaction to Halo was pretty positive. So I'm going to say that's a missed point for me there. Um, we'll get into all that soon. And then my last prediction was that uh, number five, Rare still doesn't know what the fuck Everwild is. And yeah, we'll get we'll get to that later in the news. But they literally, I, I definitely get a point there. They for, they forgot that. Uh, Basically, they don't—they don't even know that Everwild's a thing. It's, it was Sea of Thieves, not Everwild. So, we'll jump into that. But uh, I'm gonna give myself a point for Rare, a point, uh, um, half a point for Phil Spencer talking about players at the center of the universe wanting to play, and a point for Fable not showing up. So that's two and a half out of five potential points. I'm, you know, it's a pretty good score. That's a fifty, man. You get a fifty, you come home from school with a fifty on a big test. That's a pretty good score. So, that out of the way. Oh, and, and, and Count Skyla did comment in, just because this is closely in that realm of, of commentary. It says, I approve of your Halo predictions and sentiment. I'm in your shoes as well as I'm traveling next week, so I really hope it's not a shadow drop beta for Halo. I hope everyone's E3 dreams are granted this weekend. Well, Count Skyla, we're about to find out. If everyone's uh, E3 dreams were granted, because we're going to jump into the Xbox, jump into the Xbox and Bethesda press conference news. But first, we got to talk about the comments. So you guys know how this works. You head on over to YouTube.com. You look at the second best gaming YouTube page. From there, you'll find the Xbox on podcast playlist. Click on the latest episode. Leave a comment. You can say something really nice, like Jesse. I appreciate that, despite the fact uh, that you just woke up at 6 a.m. and drove seven hours back home to Georgia. Uh, or to Florida, rather, that despite that long day of travel, you still managed to make sure the show got put out on time for me. So that's cool. Thanks for always doing the show. Or you can leave a mean comment like, Jesse, you stupid idiot. One time I drove from Arkansas, which is in Nebraska, and I drove it all the way to Lincolnsaw, which is in Connecticut, and then I turned around and did the same drive in reverse. I literally drove my car in reverse the whole way back. And then I went home and I recorded a PlayStation podcast that was three times as long. And I uploaded that one to Apple iTunes and got a handful of five-star reviews. And that's because that's how good my show was. So why the hell should I should I think you're anything special for doing your Xbox podcast? And I'll say, okay, all right, man, fair enough. I didn't know it was a competition, but you know what? I'm still gonna read your comment. So starting off with our with our with our comments this week that fit into the comments block, the one that will not be making it into the news section interwoven here and there. We got Mavsman. Mavsman, real quick, ding ding ding, Mavsman. You are the lucky bastard this week that got a comment that YouTube notified me about, and then I went to open up the comment and it was just shadow banned. So Mavsman, 
congratulations, you are uh, a victim of cancel culture on, on by the hands of YouTube. Uh, but here's what we did get of your comment before you know I clicked on the notification. I could see a little preview of your comment, and then it was deleted when I when I went into the comment. So here's the little preview that I was able to see. You said first, Jersey Mike's is the king of sandwich shops. Don't even try coming in here with that with that pedo Jared in his subway shops. I do think you have which which a little underrated though. And then you continue on, but we'll never know what you said because YouTube thinks you're a controversial figure. So let's try to fixate on what information we do have here, Mavsman, and that is that of course Jersey Mike's is one of the kings of you know the chain sandwich shops when you're talking about your subways, your your I don't know, Quiznos, your fucking <laughs> I don't know what what else what's another one? What's another one? Quick. Jimmy John's. Uh no denying it, Mavsman. I'm right there with you. Jersey Mike's is the king of those. The only one that I say mm, is uh, maybe Firehouse Subs. I really like Firehouse Subs. I will say uh, probably usually for me it's like Jersey Mike's for a cold sandwich. Um, if I'm going for a hot sandwich, then I'll go in Firehouse. But honestly, you know, I, I live in I live in Florida, man. We're the home of Publix. So nine times out of ten, when I'm going for a sub, I'm going I'm going to Publix. I'm not going to Jersey Mike's. But Jersey Mike's is god tier. It is very 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 good. It is also very expensive, but. Uh, yeah, like you listen, you don't even forget about Jared even being a pedophile. Like, obviously, that's like the worst fucking thing that could happen. But even if Jared wasn't a pedophile, let's say he's a saint instead of a pedophile, I'm still not giving Subway the time of day, okay? Subway, Subway had its woes way before they were hiring pedophiles to, to lose weight on sandwich eating. Subway is simply put the worst sandwich, and I have a zero tolerance policy for Subway. Like, I'll put it this way: if you, if let's say I'm a I'm a second grade teacher, right? I'm a second grade teacher. I got a classroom full of second graders. What is that? Like seven year olds, six year olds? I don't know. A bunch of little kids in my classroom, and they're we're all second graders. You know, you gotta go easy on kids. Kids are very sensitive. Uh, their brains are still developing. They're very young. They're very impressionable. You gotta be really careful with the kids. You know. That being said, oh, this is not a good analogy since we're talking about Subway, but that being said, uh, you know, if I'm a second grade teacher and one of my students, a little innocent seven-year-old goes, I like Subway. I don't give a shit how young they are. I don't give a shit who their mom or dad might be and, and what kind of what kind of repercussions I might face as a result of, of handling their child, but I will literally punt this little bastard across campus. This little fucker will be, forget the classroom, they'll be out the goddamn window, Okay. There's no there's no sandwich talk in my classroom that's going to involve Subway to any degree because simply put Subway does not belong in the conversation. I don't care what shape their food takes, what form it may look like. Subway sandwiches are not sandwiches. So, we don't even have to consider Subway in this in this in this comment Mavs man and maybe that's why YouTube oh that's probably why YouTube banned this comment not because you said Jared the pedo it's because you said subway that that's a fucking shadow ban word right there I don't even think YouTube would allow you I mean when was the last time you saw like a a, a video on YouTube about subway like the the try try not to eat challenge or subway or something like that you never seen a popular subway related video on YouTube and there's a good reason for it so Mavs man don't even don't even bring that word into this into this podcast uh, vernacular, and that goes to all of you guys. I don't want to see a whole mess of comments after this talking about, oh, I actually like Subway. This isn't a ketchup thing, okay? This isn't like a you like ketchup, I don't like ketchup, haha, so cute. We all have our opinions. This is like 
I don't want to hear if you like Subway. You don't like Subway. We're not talking about this. It's not up for debate, okay? Now, you say, I, you think I have Witch Witch a little underrated. You know, in all fairness, Mavs, man, I don't think I've had Witch Witch since I was like, I don't know, maybe like in high school. It's, pro- it's probably been like, that's not true. No, I had, mo- I, I, had, I had Witch Witch once. I have a really odd one-off memory going to Witch Witch. Must have been like, yeah, it's been like seven or eight years since I've had Witch Witch. So in all fairness, I don't know, maybe my tastes had changed or they've upped their game. But yeah, it, it, my my memory of Witch Witch is that it is a uh, middle of the road kind of sandwich shop. A little pricey for what it is. Pretty cool gimmick that you can draw all o- draw all over a paper bag and tell them how you want your sandwich customized. But you know when when we when we get when we get meat and buns up to your lips, that's when that's when you know what what is it when when rubber hits the road and that's where we we find out that they're not all that they're cracked up to be you know we find out what they're made of and it's it's mostly just okay now sam torres says joyopolis damn that was a dream of mine to go there right now we're visiting chicago and seeing a few arcades here round one pac-man fun and food and bowling etc it would be great to visit a sega world if they still existed well sam i've got some good news for you first of all Hope you're having safe and fun travels in Chicago. Seems like a lot of us are not at home right now. We're all dispersed around the uh, around the world trying to figure out where we're going to watch our E3 news while we're out and about. But good news for you, Sam Torres. Joyopolis is still a thing in Japan. And right now, the, the news story that's been going making the rounds recently is that Sega might be... I don't know if we covered that in this show. I, I've been following it a lot because I care, but I don't think I put it in the podcast um, but this was maybe two or three weeks ago was making the news that Sega is apparently internally trying to get back into like the arcade theme park industry to some extent. And they're looking to build a location in the U S somewhere in Europe. And what was the other one? I don't remember, maybe South America or something, but they're looking to get into expanding and doing more theme parks. So I don't know how that manifests. I don't know if that's like a big arcade type deal like a Joyopolis or if it's like a small regional theme park or if it's like teaming up with like a Disney or Universal to try and build like a Sega themed land at a theme park, kind of like Nintendo and Universal just did. I don't really know how that looks, but uh, we listen, Sam, the dream isn't dead. We're going to follow this story and see where it takes us. So don't don't lose hope just yet. Also, shout out to round one. My uh, older brother's been trying to get me to go there for five years, and I've still never been, so glad you got the chance to check it out. Next, guys, we finally have an update from Sweaty Bandito. You might remember two weeks ago he wrote in about not being able to get a Series X at launch, but he did find a Series S, and then he just recently found a Series X, Impulse bought it, now he's trying to figure out how to how to break the news to his girlfriend and that whole shenanigan. So, guys, we finally got an update from Sweaty Bandito, and, and take it away, Sweaty. He says, hey, Jesse... I wanted to write in last week, but my girlfriend and I had a huge argu- sorry had a few arguments, so I figured it wasn't the best time to drop the news about the secret major purchase under the bed. Uh, well, hope you guys are doing well now, sweaty. But uh, thanks for the update. Anyway, she told me she was going to be away for the weekend, and I thought this is my chance. If we argue about it, then we've got a few days to cool off. So Friday morning before work, I take her by the hands and I say, "Baby, I've done something." A few seconds of her thinking, I've been cheating. Uh, pass. She's, and then I say, I mean, I bought something. Visible relief. I upgraded my Xbox. You got the better one? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's fine. 
So she was totally okay with it. I said I'd hold on to the Series S for a little bit, but then probably sell it to myself in the apartment building or give it to my nephews. And when I got home from work on Friday, she left me a note saying, weekend reinforcements with a little Xbox controller and a heap of snacks. So now I'm halfway through Outriders. uh, binge. So now I'm halfway through our, uh, sorry, an Outriders binge weekend with our foster cat on the couch next to me. Happy ending. So, Sweaty Bandito, I definitely appreciate you writing in. I'm glad all went well. This is a very sweet story, first of all, because what this really shows more than anything is your your worrying of the situation, unnecessary. My input on how to handle the situation, entirely unnecessary. Other commenters trying to jump in on the action, completely unnecessary. Uh, it seems like you have a girlfriend who really understands what matters to you, <laughs> really understands what matters to you, and is respectful of that. So we're all kind of left here looking like a bunch of dorks trying to figure <laughs> figure out how to address something that she didn't even give a shit about. But with that said, dude, that's that's really sweet. She left you a little the little uh the little snacks and and uh was totally cool and understanding about the whole thing. I feel like you got to you got to do a little something back now. Now you got to you know, just because not not even just cuz she did something nice for you, but just because we underestimate her. We all did. We're all here assuming, you know, that this is going to be a, a huge thing for her. And not only was she not upset about it, but she was, you know, she was encouraging of the whole situation. So now I feel like, well, maybe what we should do is put together like an Xbox on, hey, thanks, uh, a little care package for your girl. So like, well, I don't know. What what is she like? She likes, uh, I, I assume she's really into like, I don't know, like medieval literature or something like that. We'll get her some Chaucer and we'll... uh we'll we'll send it her way on behalf of you and everyone here on the show to just say thanks thanks for uh supporting our man sweaty bandito and his uh gaming needs but uh hey cheers to you man and and i'm glad it worked out also foster cat show picks next time uh hot toddy jumps in and says by my last comment what i meant isn't that i don't listen to your podcast for news just like many people i get notifications from gaming sites all the time however the news section is a valuable and important first half of the podcast all right, well, now you don't even know. Now, now you're just showing that you don't listen because you know the news is on the second half, hot toddy. Anyway, you say, I I care about your opinion on the news and want to see what you think, if we agree or disagree. That's why every minute is worth listening to. I'm not here because I'm an Xbox fanboy. At the end of the day, I'm grateful. At the end of the day, I'm a gaming fan, but on Thursdays, I'm your baby. I, I'm all yours, baby. <laughs> P.S. Hot Toddy is a hot nickname. Hot Toddy. You just won me over with your comment. Keep it up, and we'll see where this goes. All right, Mr. Miggy, there are 4K 120Hz TVs around $1,000 or less, but I can already tell that if I don't get an OLED TV, I'll be thinking about getting one until micro-LED becomes somewhat affordable. TVs aside, I'm going to Orlando next month. What would you recommend a broke boy like me doing over there with my girlfriend? Or GF. Maybe, Maybe it means guy friend. Maybe it means great friend maybe it means a Gryffindor friend because you could be going to Universal Mr. Miggy welcome to Orlando it rains here <laughs> listen Mr. Miggy first of all if you first of all I think you just you give your one comment there about 4k TVs tells me everything um I really need to know last week in order to in, in order to give you any kind of advice on what TV to go for if you're the kind of guy where you're gonna have the nagging feeling in the back of your mind oh but it's not this one then you really are left with no choice but to just get the nice one. So better to just save and wait 
for the correct TV to be on sale or affordable or just for the stars to align for you to buy it and just exercise that patience than to try and find some quicker alternative in the meantime. If, if that's the kind of person you are where you got to have the top of the line or else you're going to have a nagging feeling in the back of your head because you got you got to you got to satisfy that 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 voice. It's it's otherwise never going to go away. So that would be my recommendation there on the TV. Um Otherwise, hey, congrats! You're going to Orlando. Uh, what would I recommend for a broke baby boy like a, a broke boy? Man, I don't know how, how broke you mean, Mister Miggy. That's a God. It's a that's a tough one. So um, I don't know. I guess what I, I need more context, Mister Miggy. Like, how long are you gonna be here? What's the occasion? Like, why are you and your girlfriend coming down here? Like, what's what's the 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 catch? Did you decide you're going to Orlando without any reason first, or did you decide? You're coming here for something like something specific is bringing you here, and you got some free time. How many days? What's the kind? Of, I need a little more context, Mister Miggy, but I, I'm gonna try to just make a bunch of assumptions and then give you recommendations based on those assumptions, I guess, because that's all I can do here. You say I'm going to Orlando next month. What would you recommend a broke boy like me do with my girlfriend? So all I know is you're gonna be here during one of the hottest months of the year and one of the hottest places in the world. You're going to be here, presumably just you and your girlfriend, and you're trying to do something fun for cheap. So, and I'll just assume you got a couple days to kill. Um, all right. So first of all, if, if money's the thing and in, you're in the city of Orlando, I mean, we have, we have attractions, we have theme parks. That's what we do. So I can, I'm actually a king at this because growing up, my grandparents lived in Tampa, which is only like 45 minutes from Orlando, 45 minutes to an hour from Orlando. And we were very poor growing up. So a lot of times what we would do when we come to visit my grandparents is we couldn't afford to go to Disney because my dad had like a fucking busload of children. So sometimes we would go to Orlando for the day to hang out. But, you know, we couldn't do like a fucking billion kids at one day at Disney or anything like that. So we would just, I, I'm kind of the king at cheap shit. So this is good. So if you want to get like a taste for the theme parks, I, I'm going to assume you've never been to the parks if you're asking me what to do in Orlando, because that just tells me you probably don't have too much experience here. Correct me if I'm wrong. But let's just say you've never been to any of the parks here. You can do a lot of cool shit for free. Let's say you want to do Disney because you've been listening to a little Xbox podcast where some some chubby blonde freak keeps telling you uh, all about Disney World every time you try to get your Halo information. Well, this is what I would suggest if you want to do some Disney. Because you can do... This is the thing. is you, Everyone you ever talk to will tell you how expensive Disney World is, but they'll never they'll never tell you all the, the hacks and the, and the tips and tricks on how to have fun at Disney for free. Here's what you do. So at Walt Disney World, keep in mind, Walt Disney World is 48 square miles. It is larger than the city of San Francisco. It is twice the size of Manhattan. It is a fucking large property. It is not a little theme park with a castle. That is one very specific part of all of Walt Disney World. So first, proper context. Okay, now we're there. You're in Orlando. Here's something you can do that's super cheap. Disney World has a place called Disney Springs. Back in my day, we called it Disney Springs. We'll shut up. Old, or Back in my day, we called it Downtown Disney. We'll shut up, old man. We call it Disney Springs now. Okay, so Disney Springs. It is a massive theme park size outdoor dining shopping district. It is designed to get tourists to want to shop cool brands and to get locals to want to hang out and dine on the weekends and things like that. It is a very fun place to go. It costs zero dollars to park there. It costs zero dollars to get into it. It's completely free. It's like going to the mall. The only thing that costs money is all the shit that's going to be begging you to buy stuff. So you can go to Disney Springs. It's a really cool place to just walk around. It's going to be July when you're here. So keep in mind it's hot as shit. But 
it's a really fun place to walk around. Like literally it's not think about whatever kind of outdoor mall you've ever been to or anything like that. And then up it by a million. Cause it's fun. It has fun theming, really pretty views and the restaurants and shops there. It has a lot of like really cool brands, the largest Disney store in the entire world. If you're a giant man child like myself, it has a fucking kick-ass Lego store. Uh, it has just lots and lots of cool stuff, plenty of places you can walk around, grab a snack, really good places to get a little dessert. They have a goddamn rainforest cafe with a with an entire volcano that literally erupts. I'm not making this shit up. Go there at night. You watch this volcano erupt. Your girlfriend will fall for you so hard. You'll never be single again. Trust me, it works. And then, so there's just so much to do at the Disney Springs. Completely free. But you want an even more pro tip than that because that's something a lot of pedestrian Disney fans will tell you. Well, I got one better for you. So... Walt Disney World has a bus system. Literally, it's not a cute little like, this will take you from your hotel to the theme park. This is like actual New York City level public transportation Disney World has. And all of Disney's public transit on their property is completely free. They have buses, they have boats, they have Skyliner gondolas that will take you around the world. So you don't even have to step foot in a theme park, pay to park, pay to go into a theme park or anything. And you can do everything I'm about to tell you for free. You go to Disney Springs where it's free to park. You park your car. I don't even know if you got a car down there. Maybe you're Ubering because you flew in. I don't know what the case is. But you go to Disney Springs. It's free to get in, free to park. Once you're there at Disney Springs, they have a bus station. That bus station will take you to any one of the Disney resorts. There are over 25 Disney resorts on property. All you got to do is hop on the bus. And this is the most fun thing in the world for me to do. Just explore. Just go over to the bus loop. Look at the directory of all the resorts and pick one that sounds good. Because, I again, I'm coming, I'm assuming here that you don't have a lot of experience with these things. This is all new to you. Just just pick one. Just be like, Disney's Pop Century Resort, that sounds fun. What's that? Or like Disney's Wilderness or Animal Kingdom Lodge. What, what are these? Just pick one that sounds fun. Hop on the bus and let it take you to the resort. Every Disney resort is like a little theme park in of itself. They're all incredibly cool. They all have really awesome theming, awesome shops and restaurants. You can just walk around and explore and have literally the time of your life. I have had days at Disney, like where I was there, where I was like, I have an extra day at Disney. I'm, I'm not going to the theme park today. I don't have money for that because I'm a broke college kid going to Disney anyway. And I've had days where I never spent a penny going into a theme park, but had amazing like fun at Disney World. So trust me, this works. And you can go to any of the resorts and just walk around, explore, grab a drink, grab a bite, hang out, just look, see new sites. L literally, you could you can take a bus from Disney Springs to Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, completely free, and that resort literally has balconies where you can just walk outside and see giraffes and antelope and crazy shit like that just walking around, just eating leaves and all that stupid shit animals do for free, completely free. Don't have to go to a theme park. This is the kind of this is the kind of amazing feedback you're gonna get from me, Mister Me. Yes, most people in Orlando. Hey, I'm in Orlando. I don't want to go to the theme parks. What do I do? They're gonna tell you, oh, well, if you go downtown, you can drink alcohol at this bar, or you can go to this bar and drink alcohol. No, no, no. Listen, that's what you do in other cities. That's what you do when you're fucking lame and you go to um, Austin, Texas, or or Asheville, North Carolina. That's not that's not what this is about. Okay, we're not hipster trash here. We do cool shit. We go to Disney World. Okay, so. That's a really fun recommendation. You can take a bus to Disney's Contemporary Resort, and from Disney's Contemporary Resort, you know, you can just explore that resort, have fun there. You can jump on the Disney monorail, which, again, completely free, and take the monorail around and resort hop. You can go to the Polynesian Resort and be transported to the islands. You can go take the monorail train over to the Grand Floridian Resort and be taken to the most regal place you'll ever go and feel completely underdressed, even though you're still at Disney World. And then you can you could, you could take one of the buses to Disney's Caribbean Beach Resort, 
which is a beautiful resort, one of my favorites, and then hop on the Disney Skyliner, which is a gondola system, and that system will take you to Epcot, to Riviera, to Pop Century. It will take you to all these different resorts completely free. It's just a little a little gondola in the sky taking you all around Walt Disney World property. You'll get beautiful views. Um, if you time it right at night, you can see the fireworks from Epcot happening while you're just suspended in the air on a gondola. All these things are completely free. Mr. Mickey, what have you done here? We're supposed to be talking about E3. They have a new Halo game, you dumb bitch. God damn it. You got me all excited about Disney again. All right, but I, I'm going to cut it short there. If you have additional questions, please do write in. I definitely think live on the podcast is the appropriate place to get in the weeds on this kind of discussion. So please feel free to follow up if you have additional questions. I can give you some tips on Universal. I can give you some tips on other Orlando activities. But let's be honest, Disney or suck a dick. All right, Lethal Migraine says, in a world where Dairy Queen and blizzards exist, which I drive by every day and don't stop at either, why would I waste my time going to McDonald's for ice cream? Well, Mr. Miggy, because in my hypothetical world, you have a heart. But you know what, Mr. Miggy? I'm not going to fight you on this because last week you were talking shit about McDonald's and I said, what about the McFlurry? I could, because you know what? This week I found a new love twice. Once right before I went to Atlanta and then right before I left Atlanta to come back home, I stopped at Sonic's drive through one, one of the more underrated restaurants. I love that place. Shout out to Sonic. And I had what they call a Sonic Blast, which is basically their version of the McFlurry only downside they don't mix the M&Ms into the the soft serve like they do with the McFlurry they just put it all on top so you kind of got to stir it yourself or you can have an M&M top loaded uh, Sonic Blast and then just a soft serve ice cream on the bottom either way the flavor of the Sonic Blast the creaminess level of the ice cream the texture of that soft serve it's next level man I'm not saying it's better than McFlurry. They're they're both close, but also distinctively different. I'm just saying it's a great option to have. You know, when when you when you've had a lot of McFlurries, but you're still you still getting that ice cream kick. Head on over to Sonic's and get yourself a Sonic Blast. That's some good shit too. But Lethal Migraine, let me save your your fingers the the aching from all the typing on the keyboard. I already know what you're gonna say. Sonic is trash. Everything is trash. Both the video game and the restaurant. I'm better than you. I'll go to Raising Cane's now. Please and thank you. All right, Lethal Migraine, we get it. All right, Mojo jumps in here and says, "This is our last comment before we jump into E3." Mojo says. So, Jesse, to fact-check you on that average person taking so many breaths a year, call duty sales, whatever, the average person takes 8.4 million breaths every year. While Call of Duty sales are up and down, 2019's Modern Warfare, the most popular one in recent history, uh, has sold 30 million copies. Therefore, yes, Call of Duty sells more copies than breaths you take in a year. And on another note, I had the buffalo chicken cheesesteak from Jersey Mike's the other day. And let me tell you, it was fantastic. Mojo, I did not, I actually didn't intend for that to happen. That was purely coincidental. But I love that we opened with Jersey Mike's and closed with Jersey Mike's in such a, in such a, like a non sequitur kind of way. But yeah, that that's great. First of all, thanks. Thanks for bringing the numbers here. Uh, fucking uh, Mr. Facts don't care about your feelings, Mojo. But uh, that that's awesome. So yeah, that, there we go. That That was, of course, in reference to my point about how it doesn't matter how good Battlefield 2042 looks. There's no conceivable way Battlefield is going to outsell Call of Duty. I'm not saying gamers aren't more excited about Battlefield. I'm not saying the game's media might not be more interested in Battlefield than Call of Duty. I'm not saying when you get on the internet, you might see more people trolling Call of Duty and fewer people bitching and moaning about Battlefield. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is when it comes down to the video game sales, money, the thing that actually matters... 
Battlefield cannot hold a fucking candle to Call of Duty in terms of sales. I'm not talking about how good of a game it is. Not talking about how much the people who played it liked it. Just talking about money's made. Copies of the game sold. Call of Duty, it is a fucking juggernaut. They're not really in the same league. It's like when people... Um, I, I, I actually always think of it like... And maybe it's not as dramatic as this, but I always I always think of it um, like the, the retailer Walmart. How like uh, the company Target... The, the the grocery market or grocery store or whatever target you know he says like their main competitors is is walmart right because they're like a walmart like shopping kind of place right uh but walmart is so substantially bigger than them in every way shape and form they have so many more locations they make so much more money they're such a bigger name and brand than target that you know just because you live in a neighborhood where you have a Walmart and a Target and you like Target better doesn't change the fact that Walmart is a bigger company that makes way more money than Target. And in fact, Walmart, while Target views Walmart as their main competition, Walmart doesn't even view Target as a main competitor, as a threat or a potential competitor to them. They they think about Amazon and, and the likes like that. So it, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit where it's like, you know, doesn't mean Target's a shitty store or doesn't make money. You know, Battlefield's a good game. It makes, they, they sell a lot of copies. They're still making them. It's a big franchise for EA. But compared to Call of Duty, it's it's small stuff. So just want to put that into context. Thank you, Mojo. And that's going to do it for our comments, shouts, and whatnot for this week. Remember, if you want to be read next week, don't be shy. Reply. Now let's jump into what I've been playing. But before I can tell you anything about that, before we can talk about E3, before we can do anything, nothing can happen until I tell you what I've been eating. Guys, there's only one reason why I went to Atlanta, Georgia this past weekend, and it sure as hell wasn't for family. That's right. Pepperoni's Pizza in Alpharetta, Georgia, the best pizza place that, you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm going to be real honest with you. So on Sunday, when Xbox and Bethesda's E3 conference happened, I was like, fuck it. Haven't had Pepperoni's Pizza in two years since I lived, since I moved away from here. I miss this place. I'm hyped on Xbox. So I went to Pepperoni's. I picked up uh, a, a big ass pepperoni pizza. I picked up some chicken wings and I went to my brother's apartment and the whole thing is like, we're going to get, we're going to get totally crazy on chicken and pizza and we're going to watch E3 Microsoft's E3 and we're going to have a good time. I, I'll be really honest with you. Maybe it's just cause I was so overwhelmed from like this whole trip and everything. I just wasn't totally like in the zone, but like eating pepperonis pizza was like instantly everything I wanted it to be and everything I remembered it being, and it was delicious and it was immaculate and it was perfect. And I was so happy in that moment. But at the same time, there was a slight part of me that was like, is this really what I want? I don't know. It's like, I guess it's like, um, I don't know. It's like in the movies where like the guy chases the girl and it's like all that mad. It's like in all those like nineties teen coming of age movies, you know, where like the boys like crazy about, the girl and like he's got to have the girl she's the popular hot girl and he's like crazy about her and throughout the movie he goes through all the adventures and crazy shit with his friends and then at the very end of the girl at the end of the movie the, the girl he likes finally notices him and is like hey you're kind of cool and she gives him a kiss and she's like what do you say we go steady or whatever it is kids do and then the guy stops for a minute and realizes like i've been trying so hard to get this girl to notice me but all along my best friend who's also a girl who has a crush on me has been here all along. And maybe I never realized the perfect girl was right here this whole time. And then he ends up saying no to the hot girl that he's been chasing all of his life. And he goes out for his best friend, you know, who's also a girl, whatever role credits, teen movie, swooshy hair. So that kind of movie has been made a million times. And that's kind of how I felt with the pepperonis pizza. It was like 
You were so unattainable. I loved you all my life, and now I can't have you, and I think about you, and I miss you, and it's pretty much the only thing about Atlanta, Georgia that ever comes to mind when I'm like, man, if only we had that here in Florida, you know? So I finally had the pepperonis pizza, and I bit it, and I was like, yeah, you're good. Uh, you're hot shit. Like, people want this, and it's not bad by any means, but at the same time, I'm like, Maybe the Disney pizza I have back home or the Sam's Club pizza I have back home or the Giovanni's back home, you know, maybe that, which has been right under my nose this whole time, it's been easily accessible uh, in relation to my Florida apartment this whole time. Maybe, maybe that's the pizza I've really been needing to focus on. And that's kind of how I felt eating the pepperonis pizza. So I don't know if, if, if you'll allow it, um, if you'll allow me to get a little overindulgent on my, on my pizza f- feelings this week, guys, I gotta be honest with you, pepperoni's pizza, it did every conceivable thing it could to hold up its end of the deal, to be the best pizza, to be there for me when I was ready for it, to be delicious when I, when I took that first bite, but somehow I was left like a little, a little dead inside, if that makes sense, like, I don't know, now I'm back home, I'm here in Florida, Tomorrow I'm off work. I still got a couple vacation days to burn. So I think I'm going to go go over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, get myself a pie at the Pizza Rizzo, and, you know, finally give the girl that's always been there for me, you know, my best friend, my rock, give her the attention she deserves. So Pizza Rizzo, I'm coming for you. Now that's what... <laughs> Actually, it's not all I've been eating because I got to tell you one, one more thing real quick. I'll make this fast. I, I promise there's some E3 talk here. Driving back to Georgia, they snuck one under me. Okay, so there's... <laughs> I know a couple of you guys are Texans, so you'll know what I'm talking about. There is this place. Uh, it's called Bucky's. I don't even know how I'm going to explain this. So there's this place called Bucky's. I don't know why, but people seem to know about it. People in the theme park fandom circle seem to really know about it for some reason. But it's this place called Bucky's. They're from Texas. It is a convenience store, and we'll elaborate on that. Convenience store. You think 7-Eleven, Quick Trip, Racetrack, I, I don't know, whatever it is you go to, Pilot, Loves, whatever fucking stop you, you, you go to for your, your gassing, your vehicle gassing and, and, and quick refreshment needs. So it's a convenience store, but kind of like, not really. So Bucky's is this place from Texas, convenience store, but instead of being the size of like a regular gas station, it's like the size of like, a fucking Walmart, sometimes even a little bigger in terms of its parking lot. And it has like a hundred billion gas pumps and like 2 billion parking spaces. And it's always like black Friday shopping, crazy levels of crowded there. And the whole catch of Bucky's is like all their shit is awesome. Like you go inside the store after you're done uh, pumping your fuel and it's not a regular convenience station. It's not like here's a, here's a couple like little rotating hot dogs that look like shit and a little uh, fountain soda and some coffee and some cigarettes behind the the counter. It's like, no, this place is immaculate. It's pristine. It's beautiful. It's well-presented. There is a clothing department. There is a quick grab-and-go department. There is a fucking, in the center of the store, there's a barbecue pit with, like, pit masters chopping up brisket and pulled pork and shit and making in sa- sandwiches. They have a bakery. They have literally everything there's a, you can buy a cooler and shit if you're going to the beach so you can stock up and buy some beach chairs and stuff you can buy literally anything you need at bucky's it is a place like if you are a child and you go to a busy place and you lose your parents and you get lost and that's the end for you this is a good place for that to happen because there's a lot of good shit at bucky's okay so I know Bucky's has been working on expanding into the Florida market recently. In fact, they just opened one in Daytona, Florida, which is only like 45 minutes from me. 
Um, so I've been pretty excited that in the near future I was going to go to a Bucky's. Well, as life would have it, you know, something totally unexpected happened. I'm driving back home to Georgia to visit my family. And while I've been gone these past few years, they just stealthily built an entire Bucky's up I-75 headed towards Atlanta. It's like just south of like Macon, Georgia. So like literally in the middle of nowhere, middle of fucking nowhere, they just built a, a Bucky's in between Florida and Georgia or in between Orlando and Atlanta, I should say. But anyway, I literally just find this out while I'm driving back home. I'm like, what the fuck? Because they have like a million signs like Bucky's in four miles. Exit now. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. So I stop everything, of course. You know, I'm like checking. I'm looking in the rear view. Uh, my little rear view mirror. I'm like, how's my hair? Everything like that. I'm getting ready to pull over. I'm about to meet the beaver himself, Mr. Bucky. And so, God, I, I go to the Bucky's and guys, Bucky's delivers. It is It is a magical place. It is overwhelmingly busy. So I went twice. I went on my way to Atlanta just unexpectedly because I discovered it. And it was like the middle of the day and that place was packed. And then I went today on my way back home at like eight in the morning. And to my surprise, it was significantly less busy in the morning. So it was a lot easier to park, get in there, fuel up, look around, shop for some barbecue. So on my way back today, I got a handful of barbecue items. I got some barbecue sauce to take home. I got a couple of baked good items. And I got, and I got beaver nuggets, which are like their, it's like their iconic snack. It's like their, if you're only going to grab one thing, kind of, kind of treat there. It's like corn puff kind of things, almost like Cheeto puffs, but like savory or like sweet, not savory. So it's something between like, Caramel popcorn and like Cheetos cheese puffs, but also salty. And they are fucking amazing. These these beaver nuggets. Listen, man, my life since I've had beaver nuggets, it's only been a handful of hours, but I've already gotten a couple of really high profile people at Xbox reaching out to me asking if we want to maybe collaborate and, and do some work together. I had um, fucking Elon Musk was reaching out to me like, hey, we want you to be a brand ambassador for the Cybertruck. And I'm like, oh, how could I say no? So I, I, life's been going pretty good these past six hours since I tried the Beaver Nuggets. Guys, it's like it's it's real good shit. I'm I'm super into the Beaver Nuggets. And I'm just here to say if you live in Florida or Georgia or Texas, and I'm sure they're popping up in other places, probably especially around like the Midwest and stuff like that. You got to get out to Bucky's. It is a place that must be visited. It is good shit, and uh, it it is convenience store. It is a convenience store mecca. The quality of their food is good. Listen, the barbecue. I had a fucking bacon, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich that was better than most breakfast restaurants you'll go to. I had a fucking it was brisket and egg breakfast burrito. Guys, moment of silence, please. Goddamn. But uh, yeah, shout out to the Bucky's. We got to keep moving, but I will be back, Bucky's. Uh, and thank you for the beaver nuggets. So what I've been playing, okay, I'll tell you what I've been playing. You, you wore me down. You got me. I know you want to know. So out of excitement for Battlefield 2042, all the hype and everything, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got this thing called Xbox Game Pass. It gives me EA Play. I'll just do it anyway. I, I downloaded Battlefield 4 to kind of be like, let's jump in. Let's see how Battlefield is. And immediately was like, oh yeah, that's why I hate Battlefield. <laughs> because, you know, I like Call of Duty because I don't play Call of Duty with people. I don't play many video games with other people. I play usually alone. So Call of Duty is nice because it's so easy. It's multiplayer is so like solo focused, if that makes sense. Like no one plays Call of Duty together. People jump in on Call of Duty. They light up a smoke. 
They they get on their kid cuddy, they blast that shit up to eleven, and then they just kinda like get those KDRs, you know? That's kinda how people play COD. It's a it's a very like just chillin' kind of game, right? And I like that about Call of Duty. I like to just jump into a match, run and gun, shoot, brain off kind of fun multiplayer stuff. Um, but Battlefield is just it's almost stupid that we spend so much time comparing Call of Duty and Battlefield because there's just they're just so fundamentally different. Because Battlefield is so incredibly focused on like squad up, get a team, work together, make something happen. You gotta be tactical, you gotta be strategic, you gotta do stuff. It's like you spawn 50 miles away from the objective. You got to get the small little ATV and ride over and get the plane. And then you got to get with your friends in the tank. And you got to traverse many, many miles of terrain in order to get to the bad guy. And then you got to have a game plan. Okay, who's the assault guy? Who's the medic guy? Who's the support guy? All right, how are we going to attack the situation? But this is my gripe with Battlefield is it's like it's time to kill is still very much like Call of Duty. It, It is a longer time to kill than Call of Duty, but it feels a lot like Call of Duty. So it's like, okay, I spawned in. It took me 10 minutes to get into the fucking match. I'm here. I got my guy. I traveled across many, many miles of terrain to get to the fucking battle. I see the guy. Oh, there's a sniper guy. Boom. You're dead. You're like, what the, f- what the fuck, man? And then it's like, 20 seconds to respawn. I'm like, fuck. It's like, where do you want to respawn on the map? You got a teammate here. You got a, a squad over here. You got an objective point over here. What do you want? What do you What do you want to spawn? And you're like, fuck, I, none of these look good. I guess I'll spawn here. And it's like, boom, travel 45 miles to get back to the objective. I'm like, God damn it. And then you're like running and you're like, this game looks so beautiful. The graphics are so nice. The animations are really impressive. God, this is a good looking game. And then you're like, okay, all right, I'm getting close to the bad guys again. Boom, you, you dead from nowhere. You're like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck, Battlefield? And then it's just like, why am I playing this game? This game sucks. You have to have skill. You have to have patience. You have to have friends who are willing to cooperate to work together strategically with. Battlefield is such an infuriating game for me because I've been doing this back and forth with it ever since I got into the series, which was probably around the time Bad Company 1 came out. So that was like, what, 08? So I, I, I'm so frustrated with the Battlefield franchise because I always do this. I always do this. I'm like, new Battlefield game looks kind of sick, man. And then I, I go back, I play it, I buy it, I blow my fucking money on it. I, I can tell you specifically, I've done this with Bad Company 1, which is still my favorite, Bad Company 2, which is pretty good, um, and then 1942, which was an Xbox Live arcade game, which is actually still my favorite multiplayer experience in Battlefield. I felt like that was the only one I was actually even kind of good at, and it was a little more small scale. I loved that one. Um, I did this with Battlefield 3. I did this with Battlefield 1. And yeah, now I'm probably going to do it with Battlefield 2042. If I, if Knowing myself, I'll still probably buy this game because it really does look good. I'm with you guys. I'm, I'm riding that hype train just a little bit. And I know full well Battlefield is not my cup of tea. I suck at it. I don't understand how to play it. I don't have the patience. I don't have the skill. But I'm still going to buy it anyway because the game looks visually stunning. And then I'm going to get really, really, really frustrated and be like, you know what? I'll just wait a few weeks for Halo. Fuck this game. So I'm playing Battlefield 4, but that's where I am with it. Otherwise, I've just been out of town, so I really haven't been playing games. I tried to play a little more of Tron Evolution. I'm going to try to get back to that and wrap it up this weekend. I didn't get back to the Yakuza franchise, now that Like a Dragon's on Game Pass. But guys, that's it for all of our opening comments and all that shit. With that out of the way, let's jump into E3. Alright, so if I timed everything appropriately, right there in between 
That transition should have been my exclusive interview with Phil Spencer. Thanks again, Phil, for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to talk to a friend. Now, of course, let's uh, jump into the news. So E3 2021. All right. So here's how we're going to do this. So we're going to instead of doing like news stories like blah, 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 Windows Central reports, we're going to do we're going to jump right into the meat of it. Xbox and Bethesda E3 press conference. We're going to jump. We're going to go down the list, literally everything that was shown in order and talk about everything point for point. And then we're going to go through all the other conferences, including the Summer Games Fest. uh, But we're not going to go into those in as great or granular detail because, let's be honest, this is an Xbox podcast, not a a Capcom fuckboy podcast. So, guys, let's just jump into it. I want to give you a quick little overview and takeaway first. Let's uh, let's start with a couple comments to kind of set the mood. Destiny 2 Rocks wrote in says, I think the E3 presentation this year was great. Xbox finally has a great lineup of games, lots of gameplay to show for upcoming titles. I would have given it an 8 out of 10. That's Destiny 2. My brother, or Destiny 2, the person of the game. My brother wrote in and says, E3 was mostly lame. A few cool games were shown. Halo looks incredible, but what the fuck? Where were the first party, where were the first party games that we've been waiting for? Not a peep of... Perfect Dark, Avowed, Fabled, and a ton about and a ton about Elder Scrolls Online, Fallout 76, Grounded. That was so dumb. The last showcase announced new games. This was just third-party titles we already knew about. Halo is a 10 out of 10. The show was a 4 out of 10. Also, Stalker looks awesome. I went from I'm not caring about it at all to being so hyped. Even more, also, we have a firm release date for Starfield, but not for Halo. Is that a troll? So we'll definitely get to that last part. That's something I want to talk about. And then. Between those two comments, I want to say my reaction is like square in the middle of those two. Um, I, I My brother says 4 out of 10. Destiny 2 Rock says 8 out of 10. I probably go for the 6 out of 10 in terms of how I thought the presentation was. Don't scold me just yet. We got one more comment. Sam Torres says, Jesse, the Xbox conference made, conference made me want a Series X even more. And see if these Jack Sparrow made me want Infinity to come back. Amen, Sam. When you talk to Phil on the podcast eventually, ask him to buy Disney Infinity and continue to create it for as an Xbox exclusive and tell him to have the Series X fall off a truck in front of my place. Thanks. Sam, I'll be sure to do all that. Dude, honestly, Sam, maybe it, actually that might be a, a, a next generation idea. I might, if I ever meet Phil Spencer, I might just be like, hey, th- thanks for coming on the show, Phil. A question on everyone's mind, Disney Infinity. When you guys gonna when you guys gonna buy that dead IP or that dead franchise or uh, property from Disney and resurrect it exclusively for Xbox Game Pass? And he's gonna be like, "What the fuck is Disney Infinity? I don't even remember that." And I'll be like, "You know Disney Infinity, the one with the little toys, and you put them on the base." And he's gonna be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Lego Dimensions." I'm gonna say, "Bad Phil, bad Phil," and then I'm gonna become a PlayStation fanboy because he's gonna let me down. So I'll do it though. All right, there's everyone's reactions to the show. Yeah, so before we jump in like tit for tat, as they say, I'm going to go give my overview, my overview impressions. So notice how my brother's extraordinarily down and negative on the show, and I am a little down on it myself. We watched the show together, so maybe we were feeding off each other's negativity there or something, but I don't know what happened. I was, the second the show ended, I immediately jumped on Twitter, as you do, you know, look what the hot takes, looking for the hot takes. I was pleasantly surprised to see that everyone was like really high on this show and really high on Xbox and basically everything shown. I was expecting some Halo hate, some uh, too many CG trailers, not enough, not enough gameplay, 
But for whatever reason, we bitched about that this time last year. But then when they did the exact same thing this year, we just suddenly gave them a pass for it. So that's nice. The, the, the takeaway for me is, listen, I'd rather it be where I'm a little down on it and everyone else is good, is happy about it because I want people to be happy. I'm so fucking tired of all the internet hate that it's kind of really refreshing to just see people be positive about something. So I'm cool. That if you guys are happy with it, if people enjoy the show, I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, that being said, I don't, I don't think it was a bad show by any means. I think in terms of like pound for pound, like what they had to talk about and show, I think it's pretty in line with the kinds of Xbox conferences we've seen over the past few years. But I think my main, my main reason why I'm not, I guess kind of disappointed by it, just mildly disappointed by the showing was you gotta understand when Xbox does an E3 showcase, they are not trying to sell you on Xbox. They're not trying to be like, the point of an Xbox showcase isn't to sell you the end user on the Xbox Series X and S. They're not trying to sell you that. They're trying to sell you Game Pass. Every time Xbox does a presentation, they're trying to sell you a subscription service. Uh, you know, Square Enix does a press conference, they want to sell you games. EA does a press conference, they want to sell you games. PlayStation does a press conference, they want to sell you a console and games. Nintendo does a press conference, they want to sell you a Nintendo Switch and some video games. Xbox does a conference, they want to sell you a $15 a month subscription service to Game Pass. And I think that is an orientation I need to have going further, going forward, because I keep letting myself down with this. So my brother gets into it a little bit. He says, and this was my big gripe about it, Perfect Dark, Avowed, Fabled, all these things. Where are they? However, they find the time to talk about shit like Fallout 76 and Grounded and Elder Scrolls Online. It's like, listen, these games have been out, you know, Grounded's relatively new. It's only a year old. But, like, Elder Scrolls Online's been out for fucking ever. It's what, isn't that game, like, seven or eight years old at this point? It's like, who cares? Who gives a shit? But remember, the reason why they got to talk about these games as a service games and why they got to talk about things like Yakuza Like a Dragon coming to Game Pass today, even though that game's been out for seven months, but now it's just coming to Game Pass. The reason why that stuff makes its way into this con conference is not to pad the show. It's because they're not trying to sell you an Xbox. They're trying to sell you a Game Pass subscription service. So they're trying to sell you the value of Game Pass. From there, they're going to sell you an Xbox or a PC or just maybe you could do cloud, whatever whatever works for you. That's That's the second step. But the first step is the subscription service to Game Pass. And that's why I come away from this just a little disappointed because it's not about look at all the big AAA games we got coming to the Xbox Series X. It's about look at all the value of Game Pass. Look at all the shit Game Pass gets you. And like, I get that. But like, for example, they showed The Ascent. And The Ascent is one of my most anticipated games this year. It comes out in like about a month. It's coming out pretty soon. It's like four or five weeks from now we'll have the game. We've seen a lot of gameplay of that. We know the release date already. We've seen that game through and through, like, enough, right? We don't need to talk about a game like that at E3. I want to hear about Fable. I don't want to hear about The Ascent. But you talk about it anyway. Why? Well, because it's coming to Game Pass. And that's the kind of stuff that, that kept making me go, like, ah, this is what we're talking about? And that's what kind of made me overall feel very, like, it was okay. It was a 6 out of 10. It was just okay for me. So that's my overview take. I think once we go point by point, announcement by announcement, you know, if you're a little pissed at me, like, Jesse, how could you be How could you be so down on such a great conference? I think once we go point by point, you might be a little more like, not you, not that you'll agree with me, but you might understand where I'm coming from a bit more. But yeah, I, I, I stand firmly with this. I'm just a little disappointed in the showing. Now, I think I've, 
eased up on my disappointment a little bit since the showing. I think everyone's just overall excitement has has made me like just pretty happy overall. And it's been hard for me to be such a downer about something that everyone else is so happy about. But we'll, we'll get into it. There were some really truly great announcements and great moments of this showing. But overall, it's like fuck it. I was gonna I was gonna talk about this at the end of the show, but at the end of the of the conference talk. But I'll bring it up now so you can keep this in mind as we talk about this. This is not a definitive list. These are just the ones that popped into my mind while I was watching the conference. These are the ones I was thinking about, I was waiting for. And there are more than just what the, the ones I'm about to announce to you. Hellblade 2, Stated Decay 3, Rares Everwild, Avowed, Fable, Perfect Dark Remake or whatever, Reboot, and Forza Motorsport. That is seven games. Seven games that have been announced... But we've only seen cinematic trailer, teaser trailer, splash screen trailer, just a confirmation that the game exists and is in development. We've not seen a touch of gameplay. We have no clue when these games are coming out. And that's fine, right? So when you tell me you have an Xbox E3 showcase for 2021 and you've announced all seven of those games in the past one to two years, I'm saying, okay, this is where we see what Hellblade 2 looks like, what State of Decay 3 looks like, what, like, I want a, a seven-minute gameplay deep dive on Fable. I want to see Perfect Dark running in action. Like, I want to see this shit. We've been talking about these games for a while. Let's see them. None of these shows were mentioned, no, or none of these games were mentioned. None of these games made an appearance. This is what I'm talking about. I'm like, mm. I always talk on the show about how Xbox in recent years has felt like this this like all the pieces are here now. We got the studios, we got the console, we've got the restart on the brand image. We got Phil Spencer at the helm who's who's steering the ship in the right direction. We've got all the pieces to the puzzle. Everything is here. All we need are the games to hit street date. So, but last year I thought was the year. And when it wasn't the year, I was like, you know, between COVID and a new console launch, I can give them that. I get that. So 2021 is the year. And now we're in 2021 and it isn't the year. And I'm going, I can't keep giving excuses. I'm not, and, and and let me be very clear about this. I'm not mad at Xbox. Before E3 happened, before I went to Atlanta this week, I was playing Tron Evolution on my Xbox and getting like an aneurysm because I'm like, I really need to get back to Yakuza right now. I also want to play Resident Evil 2 Remake because I've been in a Resident Evil mood and I want to knock that off my backlog. I want to play... Battlefield 4 right now and get a feel for Battlefield. You know what? I never tried Battlefield 5. I want to play that. Uh, honestly, I just want to play a bunch of Halo 3 and Halo 5 multiplayer in anticipation for Halo Infinite. Stop. There is so much to enjoy on on Xbox. There are so many games that are dirt cheap right now. There are so many games because I have Game Pass right now. There are so many games in my backlog that I bought but never played before. I am completely content with what my Xbox provides me. As an Xbox fan, I am not in the least bit concerned about whether or not I'll have sufficient content to play. So I'm not I'm not pissed here. I'm not mad. I'm just talking about from the standpoint of like following the news cycle and being on the hype train and things like that. It's it's disappointing. Like listen, if Xbox comes out today and says um Halo Infinite will come out in November, but we're not releasing another game first party or third party for the next 3 years. No more games. And Nintendo comes out and says no more games and PlayStation comes out and says no more games and Steam comes out and says um, you can only buy Fortnite costumes now. And I know that's not a Steam game but whatever. And in like that's such a universal agreement like no more video games for the next 2 to 3 years. Dude, I will be 
one, as long as we still get Halo Infinite, I will be 100% okay with that. Because there's just so much good shit out there that already exists that I don't have the time to get to. So, I'm not complaining from a, from a standpoint of like, what the fuck, I gave you $500 for a Series X and you're not giving me cool new games. Nope, I'm fine. I Personally, I'm good. But again, you guys made the decision to announce these games. You teased Hellblade when you showed off the Series X in 2019. You teased State of Decay 3 last year during your event. You've teased Everwild like two or three times and no one knows what the fuck that game even is. We'll get to that in the news later. You teased us Avowed last year and we're like, hey, here's our Elder Scrolls competitor. And we're like, cool. And then you're like, just kidding, we bought Bethesda. And now we don't even know what the fuck Avowed's up to. You teased Fable after years of rumors. You didn't have to address the rumors if you weren't ready to show the game. But you and you announced the game. You told us about Perfect Dark six or seven months ago at the Game Awards. You announced it, but you have nothing to show. Like You teased Forza Motorsport and said Forza Motorsport will be a platform going forward, not a, just an annual release. It's like... Okay, cool, where is it? That's what I'm upset about. I'm like, stop announcing things if you're not ready to talk about them. But then again, remember, orienting the conversation. They're not trying to sell me on a Series X today because Avowed is on the way. They're trying to sell me on Game Pass. And when you go into Game Pass and you see the awesome list of games available and you look at all these amazing games that are coming in the future, you go, oh, wow, that's the value of Game Pass. And so, again... This is a, I think this is a two punch, one, two punch Microsoft is trying to do of is defeat that narrative, that, that internet troll narrative that's been around for years now of Xbox has no games and pair it with, we need to show the value of game pass to infinity. Like we need people to truly understand what an incredible value game pass is. And I think the, the desire to show that value for game pass and to beat that narrative of Xbox has no games has forced Team Xbox to repeatedly, repeatedly show their cards too early. Think about, here's another one that I didn't even list here. Machine Games, Indiana Jones. And now that we know Starfield is is exclusive to Xbox Series X, I'm convinced Indiana Jones will be a console exclusive. That game is coming to Game Pass, Xbox, and, and PC. Maybe I'm wrong, I don't know, but I'm pretty confident at this point. That game is super early in development was announced way too prematurely, and because of the way the acquisition of Bethesda lined up, that game is going to come to Xbox, but not PlayStation. That is, that's just, I'm putting that out there now into the ether, and the reason why I'm saying this is because that game is so early in development. Why did they announce it? Remember, they just randomly announced, that was like this year in February or something, right? Why? What was the point of that? They were just excited that they got the Indiana Jones IP to work on. They were just excited about the Bethesda acquisition and everything like that. And so they just tell us, hey, Machine Games, the guys behind Wolfenstein, yeah, they're making an Indiana Jones game. It's like, okay, why are you telling us that? We're not going to see it at E3. Hell, I won't even be surprised if we don't see it next year at E3. 2022 E3. There's a good chance we do not see Indiana Jones at E3. And if we do, it might just be a cinematic trailer. Because I'm sure that they announced that game just as soon it was as the deal was inked and nothing more. And Machine Games right now is scratching their head going, okay, so what is this game? They're probably really early in development on that. So that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like, it, listen, it, this is the way going forward is that Microsoft just likes to announce games four years, five years in advance for no reason other than to just tell people what to expect from Game Pass in the coming years. That's fine. I'll reorient myself. I, I, there are plenty of games I want to play and I've been trying to get around to that I'm fine. I'm not going to lose sleep over Avowed not being out today 
because I still want to get back to the Batman Arkham trilogy that it's been sitting in my backlog for years. I'm good. But again, it's like, I'm just trying to read the table here. Like, what's going on? Do I need to start setting myself up for the expectation that every time Microsoft announces a game, I need to go, that game sounds interesting. Don't know what it is because it's just a cinematic trailer, but I'll, I'll follow up on that in three to five years when it's out. Is that what I need to do going forward? Because that's what we've been getting. And I feel like, you know, again, this is just me being a contrarian. Now that people are starting to lighten up on Xbox and be cool on Xbox and not pick on it so much, now I got to step up to the plate and start holding them accountable and bullying them a little bit because that's just what you do. You find out what the general public thinks about something and you go against it. And then you do an undercut, some skinny jeans, you listen to Mumford and Sons, you're good to go. All right. Five hours into the podcast, let's let's talk about what happened. So the event starts out, obviously this is all pre-recorded stuff because COVID, it's digital, it's not happening live in person. This surprised me, but I guess it shouldn't have because it makes sense, right? No Phil Spencer at the start. Todd Howard kicks, kicks off the show. Now, they build it as the Xbox Bethesda E3 showcase, so this is cool. I like this. I like that they're trying to go all in and really embrace the Bethesda thing and be like, listen, man, when you think of Pete Hines and Todd Howard... Feel free to think about Xbox. That's cool. So I, I like what they're doing here. The synergy. I get it. I'm good with all this. They open with Starfield. Excellent game to open with. Oh, really strong opening. I thought for sure the opening was going to be Halo, but if not, it would be Starfield. So I was like, perfect. Great start. Okay. So Todd Howard comes out and he goes, hey guys, just got back from drinking a bunch of uh, children's blood. That's why I still look like I'm 20. Um, and uh, Starfield, uh, here's a trailer. And so they show Starfield. We see the game running an engine. Again, I don't care about running an engine. I feel like a lot of a lot of these companies now, they, they've heard so many years of gamers bitching about like, hey, we don't want to see a pre-rendered CG cutscene. We want to, or we don't want to see a CG cutscene. We want to see gameplay. And they've kind of done this weird thing where they've met people in the middle now where they're just like, well, this isn't a gameplay trailer, but it's a it's a it's a tonal piece. It's a cinematic trailer, but it's all rendered in the game's engine. So is that good enough? And I feel like sometimes people let that slide. To me, I'm not crazy about that. So we got a Starfield trailer, just a teaser piece running in engine. And we see how obviously this is the sci-fi Elder Scrolls, the sci-fi Fallout, the future space Fallout version game, whatever. And they went with a kind of like old school retro future kind of thing, which I I think it's pretty cool. It's, it, once I saw it, I was like, oh, I didn't think that's the way they were going to go. And then I immediately think of Fallout. I'm like, this seems kind of appropriate for Bethesda. So I, I cool with that. Monologue starts. The person's talking about, you know, the need to discover new frontiers, travel through space, blah, blah, blah. You see 11-11-22 flash on the, on the spaceship, which is the least subtle tease that the release date is 11-11-2022, which is, of course, an ode to Skyrim's original release date of 11-11-2011. So obviously a very intentional thing they did right there. Uh, no gameplay. But the the big thing is they get straight out and say, yes, Starfield is a console exclusive. This game is for Xbox Series X and S. Fuck you, PlayStation. That's basically where they go with that. It's being developed in the Creation 2 engine. So this is Bethesda's newly worked new version of their engine that makes the Skyrim and the Fallout games. This is the first time we're seeing the new version of that engine in use. It's for Starfield. Great. First game Bethesda's making using this engine. Awesome, right? This got a lot of people hyped. I think my reaction to Starfield was like, I'm fine with this. I'm This is about what I expected. Was I disappointed that there was no gameplay? A little bit. Was I surprised there was no gameplay? Not really. I'm, 
I don't have too much to gripe on with Starfield here. I think 11-11-22 is a good release date. Remember, the story a few weeks back was that the rumors suggest the game could be out this fall. I said, no chance in hell. I said, at the earliest, it'll be like next next year around like February, March, whatever. Um, and then I, I, I'd have to go back and check myself on this, but I'm pretty sure I said... My guess is it's a fall 2022 game, in which case I got to give myself a big old pat on the back because look at this, 11-11-22, that's a big old Jesse was right. I could be wrong about that. If I am wrong about that, then I just look like an idiot patting myself on the back for being wrong. That's a dumb thing to do. But nonetheless, I think the release date's appropriate. I think it's totally reasonable. When they announced Starfield all those years back and Elder Scrolls Six for some reason, they made it very clear, like, these games are very far off. Starfield will be first, then Elder Scrolls, but these games are a long ways off. I think COVID into consideration and everything, a fall 2022 release date, as long as they hit this date, I think that's pretty reasonable for this game. And when, uh, more importantly, when you think about that release cadence that Xbox wants to have, I think this makes really good sense because Starfield is going to be a mega release. This is a huge game for them. So why like you know the rumors were like well starfield is going to come out this fall or whatever it's like okay why would you want to put starfield out with halo this is what i was arguing about the other week when this when the story first started kind of surfacing it's like why the fuck would you do that that's a pretty dumb idea don't you think so yeah i think the release date's perfect you have a mega huge game like halo coming out this fall and then you want to have starfield your next mega huge game come out about a year from that that is a thing that I think you should do. So the release date makes sense. The engine trail looks cool. You see the sandwich running an engine. You see the coffee on the table running an engine. You see the spaceship and you go, you know what? This looks so signature Bethesda, like the art style and everything, everything running the engine. It looks so much like a Bethesda game um, for better and for worse. Like I'm just like, like just looking at that tunnel piece, obviously we don't see the gameplay, but I feel like we know enough to know from what Fallout games have been, from what Elder Scrolls games have been, and from what, what this game looks like running an engine, and what it's been billed as, which is just, you know, Fallout in space, Skyrim in space, whatever. Like, I get a pretty good idea of, like, what to expect from Starfield. And I guess that's why I've never really been, like, jumpy about it, is because these kinds of games have never really done it for me from Bethesda. So, I, I already feel like I know what Starfield's gonna be when we get it, you know? Like, we, we gotta learn the characters in the world, but, like, I know what the game feels like. I know what the game plays like, right? We all do. So it's hard for me to get like really jumpy about that. But obviously, these Bethesda games are some of the biggest games in the industry. And these really excite a lot of players. Star Skyrim's one of the biggest games of all time. Fallout 3 and 4, very beloved titles. So obviously, this this does it for a lot of people, you know? It's like Halo. You don't, you're not looking at Halo to reinvent the wheel. You just want more Halo. So it's kind of what Starfield is. It's like, okay, it's more Bethesda shit. The The fun thing to watch will be, is this the Bethesda game that addresses the signature Bethesda jank? Or will this be like another game that embraces that? And it's just like, yeah, shut up. We do that. That's our thing. Because you got to think like, it was cute back in the day. But now when you see games like, like modern open world games, it's just like, what's your excuse, man? You guys used to be like the kings of this. Like, why can't you get it right? I, I think they want to get that right for Starfield. I think they're working on making that happen. I think there's a good chance this game's pretty much good to go, and that's why those rumors were surfacing, and that this next 12 months is to have a good release schedule and keep it out of the way of Halo, but it's also to polish. I think because of what happened with Halo, 
Xbox is like, we don't want to do that to any of our games. Let's make like let's make sure Starfield is more than ready to go when it comes out. Also, I think this is in response to um, Cyberpunk. I think that's the other big thing here is you, you see CD Projekt Red coming out from nowhere in 2015 and just slaughtering Bethesda. Bethesda are the kings of the open world Western RPG, and then from nowhere, Witcher Three comes out from CD Projekt Red in 2015 and just dethrones them gruesomely with this like way higher level of polish, way more fleshed down detailed world, way more beloved game compared to fallout four. Um, and just like really, 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 really game changing kind of Western RPG. And I think, I think a lot of this next year development is, is them saying, well, lucky for us, CD project red dropped the ball last year by releasing uh, cyberpunk way prematurely. And if we just get Starfield out, released in a state where it's so incredibly polished, so incredibly ready to go, so finely tuned. I think it gives us the ability to to make up some of that lost ground, to win the the you know the favor of the fans again. And remember Fallout 76, a game that Bethesda lied about developing, but they had a different team actually working on it. Um released in a terrible state and was extremely unpopular and controversial for a long ass time. So Bethesda needs to get Starfield right. They need, you know, and I'm sure Xbox wants them to get it right now because Bethesda's part of Xbox. They, so, you know, Bethesda's failures are Microsoft's failures at this point. So this stuff really matters. They want to, they want to do better than cyberpunk. They want to make good on the somewhat underwhelming fallout Four in the very, very underwhelming or, or, controversial of <laughs> Fallout 76 and uh I think I think that's that's why 2022 instead of spring 2022 or fall 2021 that and it's just really fucking stupid to be like okay we got Bethesda now let's put Starfield and Halo out within a few weeks of each other that makes sense go so that was Starfield that was one of obviously the biggest showings at at the at the briefing um of course so that was our first kickoff. Next up, Sarah Bond comes out. She's been rising up the ranks at Xbox, getting a lot more screen time. She's starting to become one of the mainstays, the likes of like a Matt Booty or a, or an Aaron Greenberg. So we're starting to see a lot of Sarah these days. So she comes out, uh, reads the teleprompter. Cool to see. Uh, this, these are the notes I wrote while I was watching it. Cool to see Xbox try and push new faces within the group, but she literally comes off as a stiff robot trying to read the teleprompter. Probably just a little nervous, understandable. This is literally what I wrote. <laughs> Sarah reiterates that Xbox owns Bethesda now, mentions that Series X and S are video game consoles, basically does the set-the-stage PR bullshit that Phil typically does at the beginning of a showcase. But then she transitions to Stalker 2. And this is where we go into another... This, game, this press conference started out really strong. She goes into, goes into Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl. This trailer was fucking awesome. It's like five minutes, all these Russian dudes sitting around the campfire telling their stories. Really clever trailer that allows you to show these vignettes of like different settings, different things in the game to give you a really full understanding of what this game looks like. Dude, this game looks awesome. I thought it was going to be a little stealthier than what it what the trailer shows. So it does look a little more action-y. Um, and yes, it looks very much in the vein of like Metro. This looks like just the next Metro game, but like way cooler. And I know a lot of the team that worked on the original Stalker worked, then went on to work on Metro. I know the series has like some DNA. Um, there's, there's a lot of shared history there. Yeah, I don't know what to say other than this game looks fucking awesome. I was already really 
interested in it, but now I'm super on board with it. Really, really, really looks good. Long gameplay trailer. This is exactly what you want to ask for, right? It shows a little bit of story, a little bit of tone setting, loads of gameplay, and this is the kind of game you want to do that with. This is going to be a big game. It's not a console exclusive. It's a timed exclusive. It's coming to Xbox on April 22nd next year. It will launch into Game Pass, and then for a certain amount of time, it will be only on Xbox until it comes to PlayStation and the like, but of course, it'll be on PC. Uh, this is how you do it. Like, this, Stalker 2 is a pretty big game for Xbox. It's a timed exclusive. It's a Game Pass game, and they show tons of gameplay. This is what I want from Halo. This is what I want from Fable. This is what I want from, from Starfield. Um, this is one of the few examples of a showing or of one of the games that were shown at the showcase that they did perfectly. Really, really, really solid. This is how you do it kind of showing. Um, so I thought this was a really strong one. I'm very much looking forward to Stalker 2 um, coming out in April of next year. Next, they had another big one. They showed Back for Blood. Um, so Back for Blood, we've seen it many times before. You could be like, okay, well, why are you showing that? This is one of those Game Pass things, right? This is not about announcing the game. This is not about just showing it off. This is about saying, hey, Xbox just gave WB and Turtlehawk Studios a shit ton of money. You want to know why? Well, the rumors were right. This game is coming to Game Pass when it launches. When it comes out on October 12th, you'll just have it in Game Pass. It's another 60, 70 bucks you just saved yourself, everyone. Xbox is awesome. Game Pass is awesome. There's your value. So Back for Blood launching into Game Pass on October 12th. Awesome news. And, and they didn't do a super long trailer. It was a pretty quick, like, 45-second thing. Lots of gameplay mashed up in there. October 12th. Game Pass, we're good. Quick in and out. That was everything you could ask for. So that was an awesome showing as well. That's one of my most anticipated games this year. Awesome to see it just uh, be, just like Outriders. Xbox is really, and the thing is, like, these games that they keep doing this for, like, these third-party games that launch into Game Pass, they keep picking, like, these, like, just shy of big AAA, but, like, pretty big games that are totally up Jesse's alley. I feel like they have, they have this list of games It's like, you know, like, big games kind of like double a plus jesse's excited for it put it in game pass we've already gotten outriders and now we're getting and now we're getting um back for blood and stalker 2 kind of falls in that category a little bit too so i love this i love this so much i cannot wait for back for blood i was pretty bummed that it wasn't gonna that it got delayed from june to october but man back for blood october 12th in the middle of the halloween season free on game pass this is exciting like that's gonna be a fun fun game also it's like a month before Halo comes out too, so it's also just like, fuck yeah, man! <laughs> like, I, I I'm pumped about Back for Blood. If you can't tell, that's a that's that's a high up on my list. So next they show Contraband, and this is where things start getting a little shaky because this is cool. This is a second party game, which is really weird for Xbox. This is going to be exclusive on Xbox. And it's developed by Avalanche Studios. So there's a lot we got to dissect already here. Uh, but I'll just read the rest of my comments here. I wrote, just a tonal cinematic trailer, but the game is supposed to be a co-op open world action game. We literally know nothing about this game, but it's a console exclusive and will be on Game Pass, of course. So, Contraband, it's like a 40 second teaser. It's just music and panning around a room. It shows some like, I don't know, it just kind of like sets the scene for like this fucking like, Indiana Jones like heist adventure looking thing is kind of what I got the feeling of from it but we have no idea Avalanche Studios also recently just split into a ton of different teams so we don't know which Avalanche made this game Avalanche of course Rage 2 Mad Max Just Cause being their big one like but we don't know who the fuck did this one of the smaller Avalanche teams just did the uh, second extinction game so like 
we don't fucking know who's making this game, but apparently some one of the Avalanche teams, and it's a new console exclusive. That's all really cool. It's exciting. But again, like, guys showed us 40 seconds with not a single character or, or voiceover or story piece or anything. We don't know what the fuck this game is. Like, why are you announcing this? When you're ready to show what this game is, announce it. Until then, it's like, dude, we already have a million other Xbox console exclusives that are announced that we have no gameplay for. So it's like, we're good. We believe you. Xbox has the games. But again, this is about selling Game Pass, adding that value in there. So it's like, okay, whatever. I, I count this as kind of a miss because even though it's really cool that it's a new console exclusive, it's a second party game, which is really weird because Xbox has so many studios now that's like, why the fuck do you need a second party team? But whatever. I, even though all that's happening, it's like, I'm not going to say no to a brand new IP console exclusive. That's exciting. That's that's what you live for on, on, on a console, right? That's like what you hope for is new games that are interesting and different and fun to play and are only on that console that's what makes xbox exciting or playstation exciting is those games right so we're cool i'll take it it's just i don't know what the fuck this is man you might as well just show me a picture of like a toaster and put like put like toasted like toasted spring 2047 and be like wow wow toasted's coming to game pass i can't wait to play it don't know what it is but Toasted's coming out. I can't wait. I hope there's a, a butter mode where you can uh, put butter on the toast. Like, I don't fucking know what contraband is. It's just a word. Um, so we'll have to wait God knows how long to figure out what the fuck that is. The other thing I want to say is uh, just to really harp on This is something someone else brought up online that I think is a really good point. I want to bring this up. So you might be saying, Xbox has like 30 game studios now. Why the fuck are they getting a second party exclusive. Like why did they commission a second party team to make an exclusive for this console? So, or a, a different developer to make a second party game for this, for this console. Well, it's, it's, it, it could be possible. Cause remember avalanche worked with Bethesda on rage Two. It could be possible that around the time Microsoft was buying Bethesda, Bethesda was already working out a deal with Avalanche, and they were like, hey, thanks for making Rage 2. We thought you did a good game, a good job. You guys want to make another Bethesda game for us? You want to do another game for us next? And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. We're working on this game. They proposed Contraband, and, and Bethesda was like, okay, yeah, we'll sign off on that. We'll, we'll, we'll publish that. And then around the same time, Microsoft bought Bethesda, and was like, okay, uh, obviously Microsoft gets whatever Bethesda has because now they own them. And they probably saw this and were like, okay, oh, you were publishing this new game from Avalanche? Like, okay, we'll publish that. But, uh, but you know, like, it doesn't make sense for Bethesda to publish a non-Bethesda game. Like, Bethesda still acts as its own separate self-publisher, right? So, like, if Bethesda or Arcane or Machine Games or whoever, Tango, puts out a game... That's still going to be published by Bethesda, which is a subsidiary of Xbox, right? Okay. But it doesn't make sense for if if some non-Bethesda-owned studio is going to make a game, why would Bethesda publish it instead of Microsoft? It's like having a sub-publisher sub-publish a game that no one own, that none of the the developer of which no one owns. So it's like that that makes no sense. So I think what maybe happened and this is so the, so I think what's quite possible here is that Microsoft acquired Bethesda and they're like, oh, okay, you're going to publish this contraband game with Avalanche. Okay, so we'll just publish it. We'll honor the deal. We'll publish it. So now it's going to show up as an Xbox Game Studios published title because, you know, same umbrella, same, same place of the money's coming from just obviously the publishing name, so to speak. So I don't know. I, I thought that was an interesting interpretation of that. But uh, nonetheless, next up, 
they showed Sea of Thieves, and I was instantly pissed off. Like, I just saw, like, the, the second this started, I was like, why Sea of Thieves? And then I was like, wait a minute, that's like a Johnny Depp knockoff talking over there. And they announced the Sea of Thieves, A Pirate's Life free story DLC coming out in just a, in just a week, June 22nd. So this is coming to Sea of Thieves all through Game Pass for free. New DLC. Um, in partnership with Disney, this DLC brings Captain Jack Sparrow and the characters from the Pirates of the Caribbean fr- film franchise into Sea of Thieves. I am really excited and also really cautious, like just a little cautious about um, this news because visually this looks awesome. And yes, Sam Torres, it looks a little Disney Infinity. That that Pirates of the Caribbean and the Sea of Thieves art style looks a little Disney Infinity and, and got me pretty excited just because... Obviously, you know, in a world where Disney no longer makes and publishes games anymore in-house, it's like you're still going to get a bunch of Star Wars and Marvel because, like, what fucking video game nerd and video game studio and publisher doesn't want to do an Avengers game, a Spider-Man game, a Star Wars game, another Star Wars game, a Star Wars game we play as a different Star Wars guy? Like, obviously, we're going to get Marvel and Star Wars games till the cows come home, and regardless of whether or not Disney owns a video game developer or a publishing arm or any of that. So... That's fine, that's expected, but in a world where that, like, movie tie-in license game shit doesn't happen anymore, and all you get are match-three puzzle games on your fucking iPhone, it's really hard for fans like me, who love things like Tron, or Pirates of the Caribbean, or these other, like, Disney, more, like, more quintessential Disney franchises, it's really hard for us to get games like this nowadays, because if they make another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which is in, which is happening right now, you know, we're not gonna get a cool, like, let's say the next Pirates movie is called, like, Pirates of the Caribbean 6, uh, Dead Man's Ass Crack, or whatever. We're not going to get Dead Man's Ass Crack, the movie, the video game, on Xbox Series X in in, in coordinates with that film's release. We're not going to get that. It's not going to happen, because... Disney doesn't make games anymore. Disney doesn't publish games anymore. And developers don't want to do these cash-grabby movie tie-in games anymore. Instead, what's going to happen is fucking Glue Mobile or one of those stupid fucking mobile brands is going to make, like, Pirates of the Caribbean, a pirate's life for me. It's a match-three puzzle game where you play as Jack Skellington, which is from Nightmare Before Christmas, and you got to match all the pops if you want to collect all the Donald Duck and Mickey Mouse icons and free the pirates from from their internal damnation. And it's like, well, this is fucking dumb. This is stupid. No one wants this. And that's what you're most likely to get. So the fact that we're not only getting Pirates of the Caribbean video game content, but it's launching into an Xbox game made by Rare, and it's a pirate game, like, that actually, like, makes me really warm inside. Especially because I love Rare, and I really wanted Sea of Thieves to be a game that really worked for me. When it was first announced, I was like, oh my god, this is like a cartoony Pirates Destiny game. I'm so hyped. I was so big on Sea of Thieves when it was announced. And then it ended up just being this game where it's like, um, make your own fun, fuck you, bye. And I was like, ah, god damn it. And so Sea of Thieves, I've tried so many times, it never works for me. Like, it just doesn't click with me. But if I'm reading this right, if I'm not misinterpreting this, this is story-driven content. This is like a little campaign. I assume this is like a couple-hour like story, quest, adventure, campaign set in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and it has objectives and quests and specific directives, and you will do stuff in it. It won't be like regular Sea of Thieves, where it's just like, fuck you, go make fun happen. It will be like, here's what to do. You have to go do this. Here's a map. Here's a quest. Here's an objective. Here's a cutscene. Here's narrative. If it has that stuff, if this is what this update and this DLC is all about, oh my god, I'm so pumped. This is such a, this was such a good release. This makes me go, 
fuck Everwild. I don't care about an update on that. If this is what Rare wants to show this year, I'm all in. But again, it's like, oh, I, I, I don't trust it yet. I don't trust it. When it comes out, I'm going to download it. I'm going to play it immediately. But I don't trust it yet. I, I still think this might be some bullshit where it's like, it's going to be like one of those things that all these like games as a service games do where it's like, you download the update, you launch into it, and then it's going to be like, you, you go into the world, you find Jack Sparrow, and then it's going to kick off with this amazing cutscene with all this dialogue, all this direction, all this narrative. And then you're going to get like a Pirates of the Caribbean outfit. And then you're going to be like, oh my God, that was so cool. Now what happens? And now it's just like the game sets you loose. And it's like uh, complete qu- uh, complete objectives and, uh, and, uh, and, and weekly challenges to unlock uh, other cool Pirates of the Caribbean merchandise. And it's like, okay, this isn't this isn't like a campaign. This is just like, bullshit content so they said it's story dlc so i'm hoping for like an actual little pirates of the caribbean game in here but again it's see if these we're talking about so i'm not quite sure i'm a little cautiously optimistic about this one but man did i mean if we're just talking from the trailer alone yeah that that worked for me that worked for me really well and it got me really hyped and really pumped so i'm excited for this hope it doesn't disappoint but next up, they showed a quick trailer for Yakuza Like a Dragon, which obviously came out last November. Uh, but the trailer was just to say, hey, the game's now in Game Pass. So that's pretty cool. Oh, also Bethesda announced a bunch of old games are coming to Game Pass, like Fallout Tactics and more obscure old shit like that. After the Yakuza coming to Game Pass, they said, here's time for Battlefield 2042. What did I fucking tell you? It was getting, I mean, it's obviously wasn't that hard. It was pretty obvious that that's what they were doing. I'm, I'm not special or anything, but they showed Battlefield 2042, the gameplay reveal, and it was awesome. It was a cool, like, three minute trailer. It was a lot. It was really intense, tons of action. You got planes crashing into buildings and shit like that or whatever happened, but some really cool shit. The game, again, this is why I'm playing Battlefield 4 because the game looks awesome awesome it's probably gonna disappoint me but here are the notes i wrote i said we got a gameplay focused trailer with tons of action showing off the highly anticipated fps game coming out october 22nd uh the trailer shows tons of cool moves and players will never actually be oh i said shows tons of cool moves that players will never actually be able to replicate in the real world tons of new verticality and maneuverability grapple hook wing glider etc that'll make the game even more impossible to play for solo players like myself uh, game does look seriously cool though. So that's what I wrote and I stand with that. I think that's pretty good. Dead Captain James writes in and says, I'm hyped as fuck for Battlefield 2042. Battlefield is the greatest shooter franchise of all time in my honest opinion. Cannot freaking wait for this game. Let's go! So Dead Captain James, you see this is the thing. It's like I see Dead Captain James say that and I'm like, I want to be there with you. I agree. The game looks phenomenal. In fact, it does exactly what I want Battlefield to do, which is it goes Black Ops 2 on us. It's like, here is near future. So it's pretty much a modern game, modern warfare type game, but it's like just a little bit in the future enough that we can kind of make it a little techie and cool. So it's like, fuck, that's what I want. That's what I want. It's like grounded, grounded futurism instead of that like, bullshit Black Ops 3 like robot space penis stuff that they do. So like, I want to be hyped with you, Dead Captain James, but I'm just thinking about me booting into a game, looking around, be like, wow, this game is beautiful. Okay, assault rifle. Uh, where's an enemy I can shoot? And then some fucker's like on a wing glider and just takes me out with a bazooka. I'm like, fuck me. And then it's like 45 minutes to respawn. All right, what point do you want to respawn on? It's about 25 minutes from your objective that you were just at before you died. I'm like, God damn it. So anyway, Squall Flips Mad Max writes in and says, I think 2042 is going to be an amazing game. Let's be real. The game has always been centered around multiplayer and always will. Even if there was campaign support, it's only like three to four hours long. They're not wasting resources on a... They're not wasting resources on... 
on single player, but focusing on what the whole game uh, is all about, the multiplayer. I'm definitely getting it, and it's a bunch of fake outrage about the campaign. Squall, I'm inclined to agree with you about the fake outrage. I don't think people are really upset about the lack of campaign, even though people like myself are the rare individuals who would play the campaign, because if this game had a campaign, at least I could do something in it without feeling like a totally totally useless fuck. But yes, I, I agree. Battlefield is a multiplayer game through and through. If they if they truly are, if the real story is that they never were making a campaign for this game, it was always multiplayer only, um, then I am totally behind this. I totally support them just making this the best Battlefield multiplayer experience it could possibly be, and I 100% support it. But you also got to wonder, could this potentially be like a, like a Black Ops 4 type situation where it's like, they're just trying to market it. They're trying to spin the story like, oh yeah, we were never working on a campaign, but like secretly behind the scenes, they were working on a campaign, but it wasn't coming together. So they just kind of canned it. I, I don't actually believe that, but like you got to think about these kinds of things because there hasn't been a Battlefield game without a campaign in a pretty long time. So it's like, why now? Why stop now? Also, this game has got like five teams working on it. They got people from like Respawn and shit working on this game. They've got so many people trying to help get this game out the door because they were like EA is investing so much in this game. They really, really want to make it like a, a serious force to be reckoned with uh, in, in the Call of Duty Battlefield kind of FPS face off there. But I don't know, man. I, uh, I, I, I assume you're right there. That's this is simply them just trying to make the best multiplayer. But um, I, I got to say, here's the here's the other thing. Call of Duty this year, I know people aren't excited about Call of Duty because the rumors it's going back to World War II. No one fucking wants that. Uh, Sledgehammer's making it, and Sledgehammer doesn't have the best track record with the fans and everything. I get that. That being said, the casual Call of Duty player base is so much bigger than the Battlefield player base. Battlefield is a game that attracts casual players, but a lot of hardcore gamers. Call of Duty is a game that attracts, you know, a decent amount of hardcore gamers, but a shit ton of casual gamers. And what I mean by that is, I don't care what E3 says, what IGN says, or what your favorite video game YouTuber says, or what your favorite Twitch streamer says. None of that's relevant here. Because at the end of the day, you got like Joe Schmo, just do it t-shirt wearing motherfucker, who's gonna buy Madden NFL, in Call of Duty, whatever the fuck it's called, every goddamn year, no matter what you think, no matter how good Battlefield is, no matter what IGN reviews it, no matter what your favorite swooshy hair Twitch streamer says about it, no matter what the fuck happens, that dude, that casual gamer that just plays Call of Duty, Madden, and spends the rest of his free money on dope, is going to sit down, get high as fuck, and listen to Kid Cudi while he no-scopes motherfuckers on COD this year. Does not matter if it's World War II, Future war Warfare, Black Ops, Modern Warfare, Treyarch, Infinity Ward, Sledgehammer, none of these factors matter. Those people, those dedicated Call of Duty players, are going to play Call of Duty no matter what. This is the point I'm trying to make. I've been I, There's someone in the audience I've been talking about on, with this subject back and forth for a while. It's like, this is, this is what I'm trying to say. It's very possible Battlefield 2042 gets better reviews than Call of Duty this year. It's very possible that this is the best-selling Battlefield of all time this year. It's very possible that hardcore gamers are smitten with this game when it comes out this year. All of that is very possible. It's very possible that all of us listen to this show, play this game, and say, this is the best military FPS I've ever played. It's fucking awesome, and it makes Call of Duty look like shit. All of that is possible. But this game... 
I know EA's trying to make Battlefield a bigger thing. I know they're trying to grow it. And maybe this, uh, there's potential this game could help grow Battlefield to be even bigger than it already is. But it's not going to close the gap and it's not going to eclipse Call of Duty. And I, and I keep seeing that happen. I keep seeing that being the narrative online where people are saying, this is it. Call of Duty is done for. No one wants World War II. Battlefield 2042 looks so good. It's like, okay, guys, remember... You got to understand, Walmart doesn't view Target as a competitor because that's how much bigger Walmart is than Target. I'm not saying that the two things aren't technically competitors. I'm not saying the two things aren't great in their own respects, but I'm just saying it's pretty impossible that somehow Battlefield is just going to eclipse 13 years of Call of Duty dominance in sales and brand awareness, you know, in, in buyer confidence. It's just not going to happen. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, that being said, there's another pillar to all this, which is that Battlefield is about to launch in October as a $70 multiplayer-only FPS game. And it's up against Call of Duty, which is going to be a $70 FPS game. But Call of Duty is going to have a campaign. And Call of Duty is going to have Warzone completely refreshed. And Warzone's free to play. And this is going to be up against Halo Infinite, which is the first Halo in a long time that people seem to give a shit about. And Halo Infinite's multiplayer, which people are really high on right now, is free to play. Yikes. This is this is something interesting. You got companies like Call of Duty and Halo, which are willing to give you... you sorry, you got games like Call of Duty and Halo, which are willing to give you the most important component of these games for free to get you in the door. But then you got... And that's just part of the puzzle. Then from there, you can buy Call of Duty and get multiplayer and campaign. From there, you can buy Halo Infinite and get the campaign. But then you got games like Battlefield who are saying $70. There's no free content. It's just 70 bucks, and all you get is multiplayer. No campaign. No Battle Royale. Just, just multiplayer. I'm not saying I take issue with that. I think, listen, if Battlefield 2042 is a good enough game, if the quality of this game is so good that it deserves that, I think it's fine. Listen, I defend Titanfall 1 all the time. Titanfall 1 was multiplayer only, $60 brand new game. I don't care. Titanfall 1 was totally worth $60. It was a fantastic multiplayer game. If your game is good, it can deserve its price tag. I don't have a problem with that. But what I'm saying is, when you're up against, you know, Joe Smith, I just want to roll this joint and play COD. And he's like, I can play Warzone for free. I can play Halo Infinite for free. I'm not giving 70 fucking dollars to Battlefield for multiplayer only. Fuck that. I can't blame him. So that's, I'm just, I'm just setting the stage. That's what Battlefield is up against this fall. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying one game is better than the other. I'm just saying that is what the, the playing field looks like going into this fall. So there's that as well. Lastly on Battlefield, Wes H writes in and says, sadly, I've never played a Battlefield or Far Cry game. My buddies always played COD. See what I mean? See what I mean? See what I mean? My buddies always played COD, and I used to be really into Fallout games, while Far Cry seemed too similar. Oh, they're not. Although, I could be terribly wrong about that. You, Wes, respectfully, you are. Also, I will be changing my YouTube name to Second Best Gaming Executive Names Editor because Mojo likes to fact-check people. Ellipses? Loser! Mojo, Wes H has just called you a loser. How will you respond? I'll await your uh, response. All right, Mojo, you've had your time. Wes, so here's the thing. You literally just made my point. Thank you, Wes. And and that's not a dunk on you. Wes, listen, you are your own person with your own free time, and you play games however the fuck you want. That's all that matters. Enjoy Xbox however you see fit. But you're literally making my point here. This is a perfect little microcosm, little tiny anecdotal example of exactly what I'm saying. 
You've never played Battlefield because all your friends were playing Call of Duty. No shit. Because statistically, because based on the sales data, that's what people do. They buy Call of Duty. It's a really big fucking thing. It's like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not saying NHL sucks or anything, but NFL is just bigger. What do you want to do about it? Like, it's just one of these things, you know? It's so, I don't, I don't know. So there's that. And the other thing you're saying here is you, you never played Far Cry because it seemed too similar to Fallout, which is a game you liked. Listen, man, Far Cry and Fallout, yes, they are both open world first person games with RPG elements. Very, very different. Far Cry is a lot more action packed and a lot more narrative driven. Fallout is a lot more like granular and RPG based. Um, I think you'd like Far Cry. I, I, I think you would. Far Cry. Yeah, Far, Far Cry has gotten to a point where it is it is um they've gotten that formula down to where I think it is so accessible to everyone. If you like open world games or if you like action games or if you like first person shooter games or if you like high if you like high production like big blockbuster games, you'll like Far Cry. Far Cry is really hard not to like at this point. I think they've just made it such an incredibly accessible game to both very casual players, very hardcore players and everyone in between. Um, if you even remotely like any kind of open world s stuff, I think Far Cry is incredibly easy to get into. There's it's it's not obtuse, it's not convoluted, it's not complicated. There's nothing new to learn there. The crafting is minimal and not entirely necessary. It's it's a very very easy game to get into. I, I'd say if you're interested in Far Cry, I say download. You know you can probably get Far Cry three, four, and five. All of them probably dirt cheap now. I'd say download three or. Download 3 if you're okay with playing an older title. I think they remastered it recently. Um, or try... 4 is my personal favorite, but I hesitate to recommend that to you because it seems to not be the one... Most people disagree that that's the best. So I would say try 3 or 5 to get a taste for it. 5 will give you an idea of what really modern Far Cry is like. And 3 will give you an idea of what the most popular Far Cry of all time was. Or at least the most critically well-received Far Cry, I should say. But that being said... It, it, fuck if you want to just take the take the risk with the money and just jump straight into the new far cry when it comes out and spend the full price i don't think you'll be disappointed in that either i think far cry 6 while yes it looks cool it very much looks like more far cry so i'm very confident that that game will uh get you going uh just as well as any of the others but uh after so that's that's battlefield apparently even though we're saying far cry um Next, they showed 12 Minutes. 12 Minutes is a game we've seen already a couple times. I, I assume this game is being made by a very small team of developers, and that's why it still hasn't launched. It probably got fucked over by COVID. But this game uh, will now launch on August 19th, so pretty soon. It is a console launch exclusive, so it will come to other platforms eventually, but it's coming to Xbox first, which is pretty cool. It's coming to Game Pass, so that's awesome. It's a big get. I definitely want to check that out. I assume this game... Uh, I, or Sorry, I already said that. Uh, reading my notes, sorry. Uh, yeah, this this game looks good. I think this is really cool. It's like that top-down little game where it's like it it keeps playing the same same thing keeps playing out in twelve-minute intervals, and every time you can make different decisions to let everything like run a different way. It looks like a very cool game. Um, I'm pretty interested in giving this one a try. A little nice little indie game. I think that's being published by Annapurna, if I'm if I'm correct. Next, they showed Psychonauts two. So this is a good one because Psychonauts two is a game we've seen to death, but it has. It has that, that little asterisk that kind of that kind of like def, it, it defends why that's so. Because remember, this game was announced in 2016 as a Kickstarter game, as a fan-funded Kickstarter game uh, for like PlayStation and Xbox. And then Xbox bought 
of course, double fine the developer, and then everything changed. They they basically announced once Xbox bought them, like, hey, this game's gonna be delayed a lot because because now with Xbox's money, we have the ability to go back in, really flesh out the game, buff up the production value, and add a lot more content that we otherwise weren't gonna have because you know it was a lower budget fan funded game before that. So that explains why it's taken so long for, to get this game out the door. But that being said, finally. The game comes out August 25th this year, so just a couple months. Comes out to Game Pass, of course. And because of prior obligations, this will be coming to PS4 and, and PS5 or whatever. So we are getting this game on all the platforms, despite Double Fine being an Xbox game studio. But this is cool because even though Psychonauts 2 is a game I'm excited for, I know a lot of people are excited for, this is a cool one. This is, a, this is actually one of Xbox's big 2021 releases. The, the cool thing about this is that with this out of the way, it it finally gets um, uh, double fine into that position of like, okay, you're done with all your prior obligations from before you became an Xbox studio. Now, what are you going to make? Cause the next thing they make, that's an Xbox game. That's game pass and Xbox exclusive. And I'm interested to see what they do now that they have the money and, and the support to go and do whatever. Cause remember double fine leading up to their acquisition from Microsoft was doing tons and tons of small games. They were making very, very small games, very like little indie projects. They were putting out a couple games here and there, like sometimes two a year, things like that. And they were, they were just making, you know, some like smaller, more little niche kind of products. But now that they have the ability to fuck off for four or five years and take a bunch of money and just make whatever the fuck they want, this gives them the opportunity to be like, well, let's dream big. Let's do something big. And I want to see what that is. It, it, do they stick with cartoony, tongue-in-cheek, kind of Tim Burton-esque? You know, Double Fine is always kind of likened to, like, Tim Schafer, the, the head of Double Fine, always kind of likened to, uh, like, um, the Tim Burton of video game development. So, like, I want to see him make some, like, really cool, like, creepy, like, 3D platform, like, Halloween spooky game. You know, like, fun, kitty tongue-in-cheek potty humor like spooky game like i, I want to see that like that'd be that'd be cool i shouldn't say potty humor because double fine i know they're they're an american developer but they have almost kind of like a british level of humor where it's a little more like, it's it's not like potty humor it's like witty so i i, I always really appreciate that about their game so i, I want to see them do that i want to see them make something like really big budget like really triple a now that they're Xbox Studio and, and see what that looks like. Obviously, Psychonauts 2 kind of fits that bill in a lot of ways, but like I want to see them do something bigger than Psychonauts. So excited to see where they go from there. But finally, that will be coming out August 25th. So pretty good. Now we've got, you know, we've got Back for Blood coming to Game Pass in October. We've got Psychonauts 2 coming in August. We've got The Ascent coming in July. We've got 12 Minutes coming in in August as well. So Lots of games coming to Game Pass, some of them being timed exclusive, some of them being things like or console exclusive, things like that. So we got a lot of things starting to percolate there. Now, back to Bethesda. Pete Hines comes out this time to talk about new stuff coming to Bethesda, mostly updates to pre-existing games. This is the point where the where the conference goes from like, okay, pretty solid so far. I'm pretty happy with everything so far. This is where, boom, nosedive for me. Pete Hines comes out. I love you, Pete. You're sexy baby. You're a good guy, whatever. This is where I, I just I totally lose me. He basically comes out at this point to be like, 10 games from Bethesda's past are coming to Game Pass. Doom Eternal, coming to Game Pass, uh, even though it was on Game Pass. Now we're bringing it back permanently into Game Pass. But it has an Xbox Series X and S uh, update, performance update, which comes out June 29th. So that will bump the way the game performs on the newer consoles. 
I'm like, oh, okay, it's a little cute gimme. I'm like, move on, what's next? But then he's like, Fallout 76 gets new updates. I'm like, fuck, we're doing this. And, you know, they can't talk about one without the other, so that means Elder Scrolls is next. And sure enough, Elder Scrolls Online uh, Online was next. They're like, oh, yeah, Elder Scrolls Online is getting a Series X and S update optimized uh, for the new consoles on June 15th. Fallout 76 is getting new DLC or a new um, uh, it's, it's Steel Rain DLC coming July 7th. And the Expeditions of the Pit DLC, which is now in development. All the content, of course, will be free. Game Pass, yada, yada, yada. Um, and also, the Battle Royale mode from Fallout 76 has been removed. That was another thing. They didn't say that at E3, but that was announced right before E3. So, <laughs> But like, I'm like, okay, we're spending way too long on these fucking games that have been out forever that no one wants to talk about. I get it. Updates, whatever. This is what I'm talking about. These are the kinds of things where it's like, Jesse, this isn't for you. This is not... The part of the show where they're doing big hype announcements for you. This is where they're saying, here's the value of our service games. Here's the value of Game Pass. Here's the value of our platforms and our subscription models. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But it's a is a major pace killer when you go into this stuff. And I get that Like, there's always got to be something like this in every press conference. There's always at least one or two items. But this was like the start of the end for this shit. It's like... Uh, okay so we get out of fallout 76 we get out elder scrolls online i'm like okay let's jump back into the action i'm like okay here we go oh cool all right all right what's this party animals coming in 2022 to game pass i'm like okay it is a physics-based ragdoll fighter game with like cute little animals kind of looks like a like a fall fall guys type rocket league type game where it's supposed to be one of those games that just like takes off and gets a lot of attention and becomes like a, a, a like a lightning in a bottle type of game um looks like that's what they're going for but this game genuinely does look cute it's very it's very cute these little ragdoll little stuffed animals are like bobbling around and dancing to the music and then they're like grabbing each other like smash bros and just throwing each other off cliffs and like whacking each other with stuff but they're like little ragdoll plush dolls so they just look so fucking goofy and cute doing it with like this hyper realistic graphic cartoony graphics sorry the game looks fun it looks it looks cute it looks fun it's coming to game pass coming to xbox sometime next year i'm like okay that's a little far out to be announcing a game like this and uh i'm just like you know this is cute it's a new game it's new information game pass thing i'm i'm okay with it i'm not totally bummed but i'm like i'm like we were just talking about games like psychonauts and like fucking like uh, starfield and, and back for blood like let's get back to the big stuff let's get back to the battlefield stuff i'm like come on come on come on but no they they jump after that into hades which is i know a massive game people love this game on pc and switch well it's coming to game pass and xbox on august 13th so really big deal there another huge win i actually will definitely check this game out i know people love it i've had people recommend it to me i, I know this is a beloved game i'm definitely excited to check it out but again i'm like this is the game that's been out for like a year on other platforms. It's like, it's not super like hype. You know, I'd rather you announce something like this any other time of year. They announce shit all the time at random points in the year. Like, I don't, this isn't E3 stuff. Get it away from me. Like, come on, let's go. And then next they jump into Somerville. They do a reveal trailer for Somerville. Now this is still a smaller game. Keeping that smaller game. They're doing like some indie game type announcements right now. But this is one I'm pretty interested in because this is from, um, uh, Jump Ship, which is a new studio of, of the the guy from Play Dead, the guys that make like Inside and Limbo, and you can tell this game looks like Inside um, Somerville. So they showed a a trailer of that with gameplay and the characters and everything. It looks very dark, looks very somber, looks very like weird and artsy. I'm excited for this game. Inside was such a pleasure and such a joy to play, 
and I want more of that. And Somerville looks like it's literally just trying to be more of that. So I'm very interested in this. Um, it's coming out sometime next year. We'll be in Game Pass. Remember, when Inside came out, it was a timed exclusive for the Xbox One. So these these guys clearly already have kind of a precedent and, and a history with working with Xbox. So kind of makes sense that you see it continuing on here. But yeah, I'm excited for this. So this was a cool one. Not too long of a trailer. It was like a minute and 20 seconds. Not Not too bad picking back the pacing a little bit i'm like okay okay that's a good pickup we're, we're we're getting better all right and here is where the panties hit the floor okay so next i'm like okay we're doing some serious pickup bonnie ross walks out along with joseph stain they come out of course you know from 343 to talk halo so immediately i was like this is a weird thing for me because i had I, w I had two immediate reactions i was like fuck yeah halo time but then i was immediately like at the same time i was like wait a minute we're like maybe midway through the conference. Why are we talking about Halo? Like Halo was either your opener or your closer. So why the fuck are we talking about Halo in the middle? This is weird. So Halo, like they come out to talk Halo. I'm like, oh, immediately I just go, I, I turn to my brother. I'm like, oh, they're not confident in Halo Infinite. If they're burying it in the middle of the conference, that means they're not confident about this game. That means they bought Bethesda. Now they got Elder Scrolls. Now they got Fallout, which means they can take the pressure off of 343. They can take the pressure off of Halo's success. They don't believe in this game. They think it's going to be something of a underwhelmer. Like this, the game's not coming together. Fuck me. We're fucked. Halo Infinite's fucked. Fuck, fuck, fuck. And I was freaking out. But I was like, shut up and watch. So they jump straight in. Joseph Saint starts talking, starts being cute and all that shit. And then he goes straight into a little Halo Infinite story tease with a new Cortana figure. Awesome. It's like pans out over the world of the Zeta Halo ring. And then we see, um, uh, it, it zoom into like chief, like floating through like, sp like space or something like that, like floating through like all this rubble and debris and beat up ships and like dead Marines and stuff. And the bro hammer guys talking to him in his earpiece. And he's just like, and he's, they're just talking or whatever. And then he finds this Cortana looking AI. God, this is so good. I, I've literally watched this trailer like on repeat, like 20 times already, but it, it chief walks in this room um, and there's an AI figure who looks kind of similar to Cortana. And she's like, she's like my protocol, you know, my objective was to be put in the system so I could find Cortana and apprehend her so that you could then take her, uh, re remove her and then, and then give her the UNSC for deletion. And then master chief is just like, and she's like, did you hit your head or something? She's like, she's like, my, my job was to be deleted, um, on for like upon like a upon objective completion but she's like but i'm still here and she's like what and like you can just see they're confused it's like what the fuck it's like where's cortana then or what happened with cortana and so then chief is like okay well you know the mission always got such good dialogue too like i'm just i'm just paraphrasing but it's such good dialogue like her delivery is so good she sounds very much like jen taylor she looks she looks like a like a like a cortana spinoff it's dude and her character design's fucking awesome and then chief's just like Okay, good. He's like, well, you need to come with me and so we can figure out what happened and, and figure out why you weren't deleted and, and what's going on with the Cortana situation. And so he tells her, like, you know, like he's going to pull her out from the computer and then put the new AI in his helmet. And it's like, dude, so fucking cool. And she's like, but she literally goes, are you sure? And so immediately I'm like, oh, it's fucking Cortana. And, and like he takes out the AI and he puts her in his helmet. I'm like, dude, that's it's cool. Cause it's like an emotional moment. It's like the first time. I don't think a lot of people, I don't, I don't know if a lot of halo fans pick up on this, but like 
this this is a whole thing like this is the first time chief ever takes a different ai and puts them in his helmet like cortana was the first cortana picked chief and that was his only ai he ever worked with and so now like this is the first time he's ever going to put another ai so it's like this whole thing and the music's swelling and it's so good and they introduce you to the new cortana and you're like fucking want to play this game also how does any of this make sense because the first time we saw him there was this stranded pilot and he meets master chief the second time we saw this game they're fighting the bandage and we don't know where atriox is the, the next time we see this game it's about cortana and there's this new ai i'm like what the fuck is this game about and how do we stitch the story together I'm, I'm so goddamn excited for this game but it's amazing it's it's a really like swelling moment and then immediately i'm just like oh that's cortana like obviously it's what happened is they installed a new ai to go and find cortana and stop her Cortana corrupted the AI, overtook her, maybe killed her or whatever, and is now basically posing as this other AI that was installed to put an end to her. And now she's trying to get back into Chief's helmet, not not literally into his head, but like into his helmet, to then corrupt Chief or to to f- like fuck up the UNSC's plans to take her down or something. So that's that's my theory is that is that what they what's happened here is Cortana's corrupt this AI and used that as a as a excuse to get back in the chief's helmet and now she's going to try to turn him either to her side or against the UNSC or corrupt him or fuck things up in some way. I am so goddamn excited for this game. God damn it, you guys. But that was a quick little additional tease at the story. They didn't go into single player or a campaign gameplay again, because they're just like, we did that last year, you guys bitched and moaned, basically. They're just like, let's jump into the other side that you guys have been waiting for. Then they roll out the red carpet for the multiplayer. They show they show the multiplayer trailer, and it is beautiful. It is 100% perfect. I'm so happy with it. God, it looks amazing. It literally looks like Halo 3 multiplayer with a couple of modern like enhancements and things like that. So it's like right back to that old school sandbox focused object uh, or uh, power weapon focused kind of arena multiplayer. They kept the run in there. I know a lot of people were like, Oh, get rid of run. They kept run in there. Fuck you. They kept clamber from halo five. So when you jump up to a ledge, your Spartan will grab it and pull himself up. Thank fucking God. Thruster looks like it's gone from Halo 5, so rest in peace, because I love Thruster, I love Ground Pound, I love those Spartan abilities, I think it's really stupid that people bitched about them, but then again, if I could meet every individual Halo fan that ever bitched about Halo 5 and just and just brand them on their tiny penis, I would, but here we are, so goddamn the multiplayer looks phenomenal, sound, look, animations, they show that new fucking samurai looking armor with the energy sword, and the goddamn Damn, that looks so fucking cool. Uh, this this took my hype level from like forty seven hundred thousand out of ten and brought it up to eight billion out of out of five. It's god damn, this game looks so fucking good. But then it hits you with a, a real, a real, a real little um, quandary. It goes releasing holiday twenty twenty one. It's like wait, what? So apparently they can put a specific date on Starfield, which comes out next year. But they can't put a specific date on Halo, which comes out this year. So that was really concerning, of course. Yeah, it, it, those are the two things. The game itself looks phenomenal. I have zero questions. I have zero concerns about the game itself because of what they showed. But the thing is, they showed Halo in the middle of the conference, which is a very deliberate thing to do. They didn't give it a specific release date. They said holiday 2021. So I'm like, okay. Is Halo getting delayed again? So maybe maybe there's a chance Halo gets delayed again to like spring next year. And that's why they put it in the middle is because they don't want to focus on that too much. Because of the uh, because of the chance. Because, you know, you don't want to end or start with your big fall game if it's not going to be your big fall game, right? 
So I'm thinking and hoping that's what it is because I really don't want it to be all the alternative, which is Microsoft is like, thank God we got Bethesda now because Halo Infinite is not shaping up like we need it to and we need something bigger to kind of take its place. So I'm hoping that's, you know, what's going on is that it's just the game might need more time and they really don't know how to announce that it's getting delayed again. Of course, I don't want a delay, but if the game needs it, then it needs it. So what, what can you do, right? Um, I'm still pretty confident it's coming out in November. I'm still confident they're going to really try to hit that Halo Combat Evolved 20th anniversary November um, time frame. But clearly saying holiday 2021 tells you that they're still they're still hoping against all odds they can hit it, but it's probably getting delayed. So <laughs> and, and I think if it gets delayed, it's a small delay. I think it's a it's a couple of month delay. I think it's like a February release instead of a November release, if that makes sense. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about Halo other than I'm so incredibly excited for this game. It looks so good. You have someone like me who loves every Halo. I am a Halo four and five defender. I am a Halo uh, or I'm a three four three studios or 343 um, Industries, Defender. I think they have done a fantastic job with Halo. I love the ways they've reimagined and tried to change Halo over the years. And I stand by them with most of their decision-making they've done, especially with Halo 5. I really, really love Halo 5. That being said, there's a lot of reason for someone like me to be upset about Infinite because they clearly, they clearly Disney bent the knee to their cuckold fanboys with Star Wars kind of. Uh, uh, knee bent on this one a lot um, in response to Halo 5 and even despite that man despite the fact that Infinite is so clearly trying to return to form with the art style return to form with the multiplayer go back to what people really loved about Bungie's Halo you know despite the fact that so much of this is cucking out to their shitty shitty fan base that don't deserve them you know despite all that I still can't help but look at this game and be like, dude, I don't care. If it's if it's old Halo but modern, it's great. If it's new Halo but bumped up even more, it's great. I I just love Halo, and I don't think they've put out a bad Halo game yet. Like I don't think there's been a single mainline Halo game that has been anything shy of excellent. Like My least favorite Halo game of the mainline entries is 2, and 2 is a great game. I love 2. I love Halo 2. It is by far my least favorite of the Halo franchise. But I replay Halo 2, you know, every every two years or so, I'd say. I replay the campaign. Um, I still go back and play the multiplayer Master Chief Collection sometimes. It's like, that's how much I love Halo. That even my least favorite Halo game gets played more than most of my favorite fucking games out there. That's how much Halo means to me. Like, trust me, I love Halo. Halo 4, totally unfair rep. The only real complaint I have with that game is I don't like the Spartan abilities that carry over from Reach. The little, you know, that stuff. Halo 5, totally phenomenal game with some pacing issues on its campaign. Gets an unfair rep all the time. But dude, fucking Halo Infinite. Here we are. They're totally departing and abandoning everything they did with Halos 4 and 5. Which makes me sad. But I'd be a fucking liar if I told you watching this trailer. I'm not like, well, I don't I don't care. This game looks so good because it looks so goddamn good. And then they did this even better. Because the next day, they did a 12-minute deep dive into the multiplayer after E3. So I'll just read this off because it kind of goes in tandem with this. So the following day, 343 streamed a Halo Infinite multiplayer overview video that ran 12 minutes long, detailing loads of new info about Halo Infinite's multiplayer suite. Battle passes 
will be present, but will never go away once you buy them. You can always go back and buy a previous battle pass and always unlock content and work on progression towards those older battle passes, even if it's not the current one in rotation. Training mode was also introduced where you can mess around with the game's maps, guns, and mechanics to hone in on your skills and get a feel for the game. You can play skirmish matches against AI bots as well. Vehicles in multiplayer will spawn in at random points throughout the map, and an AI announcer will notify you of these things, saying things like ordinance drops. They are random vehicles that will spawn in on big, big team battle maps to help keep with the whole equal footing, control the power weapons mantra of this game. The game is very focused on even start with battle over with a battle over power weapons and equipment. Clamber will be back. Running is still in multiplayer, but I think Thrust is gone. Rest in peace. Not sure what's up with aim down sights. Looks like Halo 4 aim down sights where you're clicking the right stick instead of hold down the left trigger. So more of traditional Halo ADS and less of Call of Duty ADS. Forge and Theater Mode are both back. Uh, sign up on the Halo Insider um, website for a chance to be selected for flighting, which at this time is to be announced on the uh, dating of the date for the those things. So, god damn, guys, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, this looked this looked amazing. They showed so much detail, multiplayer look, uh, information, and everything they said was music to my ears. The only thing that bummed me out was you can just clearly tell some of those mobility things from Halo Five are gone. And I'm kind of split on the ADS thing. I know you know Halo Five. Went full-blown, fuck it, hold down left trigger to scope in just like on any first-person shooter. But I clearly they're going back to the whole click in the right stick to scope in because for the most part, Halo's about hip-firing. Scoping in was really for like, you know, like sniper rifles and stuff like that. So clearly they're deliberately going back to that. But I, I was a fan of Halo 5 going into full ADS, but whatever. I'll, I'll take it either way, honestly. As someone who constantly flips between... Halo Master Chief Collection and Halo 5, I can do either one. Like, I, I'm happy. <laughs> um, I, de I definitely prefer... I think I definitely prefer... I don't know. Until recently, I would tell you I prefer all the new Halo 5 stuff. But in recent history, I've been playing a lot more Master Chief Collection. I'm like, you know what? But the old stuff holds up so well that I don't know that it matters to me. But whatever. So that was all the showing of Halo Infinite. They're still doing a lot of 343 blog posts about Halo Infinite. In fact, one just came out today. But that's more granular, granular nerdy stuff. But that was Halo Infinite. Uh, and the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced. Yeah, they showed it in the middle of the conference and not at the beginning or the end. Because the game's getting another delay. That's why the holiday launch and we'll talk about another game coming from Xbox Game Studios this year that is confirmed for a November release date um, that would otherwise kind of conflict with Halo. So lots of reasoning between Starfield, between the way Halo was shown, and between this other game we're about to talk about. Lots of good reason to believe Halo Infinite's probably getting another delay, although a slight one, probably still getting delayed, unfortunately. But uh, whatever, we can wait. Uh, after Halo, my beloved Halo, we got... Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected, so this is a little boring for me. We knew this was coming, um, but now it has a date. September 23rd, we got a reveal trailer. Remember, Todd Ferguson left the Coalition to work on this shit. Looks like Diablo. I'm sure fans are excited. Rest in peace, Neversoft, because now they're stuck on this shit. So yeah, that was, that was Diablo 2 Resurrected. People who care, care. Let's move on. Next, they showed a trailer for a new Plague Tale game called Plague Tale Requiem. I know a lot of you out there are huge fans of Plague Tale Innocence, so I'm sure you're very pumped about this. Uh, new game from Asobo and Focus Home Interactive. Uh, people are really hyped for this game coming in 2022 and will launch into Game Pass, so that was awesome. I, I really need to play Plague Tale Innocence. I know I'm going to like it, but I, I can't 
faint excitement for this game because I have no context for the series. Next, they showed another Far Cry Six. Sorry, Far Cry Six trailer, guys. This is this is where I draw the line. Yawn. So we went from not knowing shit about Far Cry Six a little while ago to having a game reveal about a week, like two weeks ago or whatever it was when Ubisoft did that, to getting a showing of it at the Summer Games Fest to getting another showing at it. I think they showed something else on Twitter or YouTube or something recently to getting it at Xbox games show. So it's like, guys, so much far cry six so fast. Shut the fuck up. It just looks like more far. Cry. Listen, it looks like a good game. I'm sure it will be fine. I will play it at some point, but it just looks like another far cry game. Like calm the fuck down. Like, man, I wish halo infinite got this kind of screen time that we, we got to see a new trailer for it every fucking week leading up to its launch. God damn. That's a lot of far cry. So it's not that it's not a welcome addition. It's just that we've gotten so much far cry news lately that it, it almost makes this uneventful. Like if, if far cry had been tighter lipped leading up to this, then like this would be really cool, but come on. Oh, Ubisoft did their press conference and did a bunch of far cry. That's the other one I'm thinking of. It's like, shut the fuck up, man. Enough far cry. Anyway, so yeah, I get on with the show. Comes out October 7th, Far Cry 6. Bye. Uh, next, console launch exclusive, Dev Monomi Park. That's the developer, Monomi Park. Uh, they announced Slime Ranchers 2. Apparently, this is a thing. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if this is a popular Steam game or what. I didn't even do my research. But Monomi Park is the developer. The game is Slime Ranchers 2. The game will come out in 2022 and launch into Game Pass and be timed exclusive on Xbox. Looks like a rainbow version of that game, The Gunk, that was announced last year, which is also an Xbox exclusive that wasn't shown at this press conference. They just announced it in one way. Um, yeah, dude, I don't care. This is this is that stuff where like I'm at this point I'm so high on Halo, but I'm just like I don't care about Diablo, don't care about Plague Tale, don't care about Far Cry, don't care about Slime Ranchers. Like, show me something cool. So next, they show a console, another console launch exclusive, so timed exclusive, uh, Shredders, which comes to Game Pass on December twenty, or sorry, tw December twenty twenty one. So this December will launch into Game Pass. Uh, it looks like some Sims Sports non SSX three snowboarding looking motherfucker. Uh, I I wrote literally Game Pass twenty twenty one. Please hurt me. Looks too much like a Sims Sport. I miss SSX. Way away, away from here I'll be because that's a song from Yellow Card that was in that game. I I can't feign any remote excitement for this game whatsoever. Um, and I'm sure most of you don't care either. Next, if finally we got something interesting. Uh, finally, Atomic Hearts from developer Mudfish. So I don't know what it is with this game, but this game looks so fucking cool. This is probably, in my opinion, the coolest looking third-party game shown during the press conference. It looks like far, sorry, far. It looks like Fallout meets Far Cry meets Bioshock meets Wolfenstein meets meets the Fockers meets Game Pass. Uh, it it looks so goddamn good. This game looks awesome. So I remember this game was showed off years and years ago, and I was like obsessed with this trailer. I was like, wow, this game looks amazing. Uh, and then the game just kind of quietly went away, and we never heard anything about it. Uh, it's from a Rus Russian developer named Mudfish. This is like their first title, but the developers have worked on other projects before. Um, apparently, the report is that this game was the studio that makes the game was kind of rebooted in 2019. There's been some like controversy over like some parent apparent studio layoffs and things like that. So there's some kind of internal turmoil and drama going on here behind the scenes, but. 
I, I don't know how it's going to affect the game, but god damn, this game looks fucking good, man. Uh, and they just showed it. We don't know anything about when it's coming out. Fucking hope it's within the next two years. But I, I hope this game doesn't go away and that we, we actually see this game and it becomes a thing because, man, oh, man, it looks weird as shit. It's got some Death Stranding vibes in there. It's just so much weirdness. It's got some Wolfenstein stuff going on in it. It looks like a little bit of every really cool game that's come out in the past 10 years, kind of. It's just <laughs> it's a really cool-looking game. Um, definitely check out the trailer if you have not already. Atomic Hearts. Um, that would be a multi-platform game. It's supposed to come out on PlayStation, PC, and Xbox. But man, oh man, this is something that is... But it's launching the Game Pass, so that's that's fucking awesome. We don't have to buy it. But this is something that will be high on my list um, when it becomes more of a concrete thing. But like, very interested in Atomic Heart. Next, we got a new reveal trailer for a game called Replaced, which also looks fucking awesome. Coming to Xbox and Game Pass in 2022. This game looks like a cool, it's like 2D, beautiful hand-drawn sprites with a really stylized and well-lit, natural, like 2.5D background. Almost like Octopath Traveler, but in my opinion, even cooler. Uh, I want to learn so much more about this game. It looks really cool. It's an action game. It has kind of Castlevania vibes, but also like a like a neon night city kind of thing going on to it. Very weird looking game. Very cool. I really, really want to learn more about this game as as, uh, as we get closer to its launch sometime next year. Um, but yeah, this game just looks fucking awesome. We Otherwise, we really don't know much more about it. It's a new studio, new game. Really interested in Replaced. After that, this we got back into boring territory. Uh, Grounded is getting new content. The Shroom and Doom update. New badass uh, uh, spider update. And achievement support, finally. You know, it's Obsidian, so it was a fun trailer. It was a cool trailer. But, uh, like, you know, Grounded, it's a year old at this point. I know it's been in, like, kind of, like, uh, early access. But, like, I, I don't care. Like, we don't need to see this. This is E3. We want to see the big guns. We don't want to see up small updates on other games that are a year out. So, you know, this is another selling point for Game Pass and not a big E3 mic drop thing. So, I'm like, okay, okay next. That's fine. Next, even worse than Grounded, Among, Among Us get, gets an update June 15th. Coming to Game Pass. Coming to Xbox. 15-player lobbies. Okay, next, please. Don't give a shit about Among Us. So next, uh, 505 Games and Rabbit and Bear Studios, which I'm, I'm new to, uh, announced Euden Chronicles. I think I'm saying that right, Euden. It's like a spiritual successor to Suikoden, apparently. A lot of Suikoden fans were really excited about this. I don't know if this is a pre-established franchise or if this is a new thing, but it's some nerdy-ass Japanese-looking shit. Uh, it's got that Octopath Traveler art style to a T. It's, uh, there are two games, Rising and 100 Heroes. Both of the games are coming to Game Pass. Rising is coming in 2022, and 100 Heroes is coming in 2023. Um, so, Euden Chronicles, look it up if you're into, like, really weeby shit, but it was the most Final Fantasy-looking motherfucker that was on the Xbox, uh, E3 stage this year. Really couldn't be bothered with that. Um, I just kind of tuned out. Uh, next, uh, we got a new trailer for The Ascent. Now, as you guys know, this is one of my most anticipated games of the year, but if I'm being fair, if I'm being honest, we don't need to see this. We've seen a lot of The Ascent. It just got a, a release date announced like a week or two ago. It's coming out July 29th. It will launch in the Game Pass. But we got, you know, it was only a quick like 30, 40 second trailer, but like we don't need to see this. Like we've seen enough of this game. We know it's coming out really soon, really imminently. It's not necessary, you know, like come on. So they, they showed that. 
whatever. You know, I'm very excited for the game, but it's, it doesn't need to be here for this event, so whatever. Next, they showed Age of Empires 4, a new trailer. This is one of those rare PC-only games coming to Game Pass for PC, of course. Comes out October 28th. So Age of Empires 4, uh, obviously a very niche and specific game, and we'll have another one of those in just a little bit. But after that, we got another one of these why are you doing this kind of announcements. So here we go. So... A new trailer starts for a new console exclusive. I'm like, okay. And it shows like a very similar startup to the Fable trailer from last year. And I'm like, holy fuck, this is it. Here's Fable. Oh my God, they're going to do a new cinematic trailer and then a gameplay reveal. I'm like, fuck yes, Fable, Fable, Fable. I'm so excited. Outer Worlds 2. So yes, it was a very fun trailer. It was a very funny trailer. It's basically a trailer just saying this game has not been made yet. It is very, very pre-early development game days. But we're making it. It was very tongue-in-cheek. It was very humorous. It was a very good trailer. Uh, love Obsidian for their sense of humor. But, like, I'm watching this trailer. I'm just like, why? Why? Yes, of course. So the big news is they announced Outer Worlds 2 is in development. It is coming, and it's console exclusive. The next Outer Worlds game is coming to Xbox and PC. Fuck you, PlayStation. Cool. I wrote, literally, console exclusive, baby, bye-bye, PS losers, funny guy trailer, no release info, just that the game is early, early dev. Game Pass, of course. Obsidian pulling an Elder Scrolls 6 with this one because they're really clearly working on Avowed right now, which wasn't even present. The kind of trailer is less about the game and more about Xbox's way of saying, hey, we own this now. This is our game. This is our state, our studio. No PlayStation. And yeah, I, I agree with exactly what I wrote there. That's a, Of course I do. That's why I wrote it. But yeah, that's that's a, that's that's pretty much exactly what this trailer was about. It was their way of saying, "Hey, we own Obsidian now. Yes, they're going to make another Outer Worlds. Yes, we're going to continue that franchise. It will not be published by uh, Take Two. Um, it will or Private Division, which is part of Take Two. It will not. It will be published by us. It will not be available on PlayStation. This is our studio, our franchise, our game, our exclusive, and Game Pass, of course. So I get it. So again, this is one of those things. It's like I get why you're doing this because. You just bought all these new studios, you're trying to put the value in Game Pass, and you're trying to set this narrative of Xbox has the games, Xbox has the studios, and this is the expectation. Obsidian is no longer making your games, PlayStation, okay? Double Fine is no longer making your games, PlayStation, after this, okay? It's like, this is the kind of thing they're doing. I get it. It's not fun because, again, it's like, oh, well, this isn't Fable, okay, well, Obsidian, where the fuck's avowed? Like, I don't need to know about Outer Worlds 2 because I know you're already busy supporting Grounded and developing avowed. Show me avowed. Like, how far out is that game? Is that a 2023 game? Is that a 2024 game? Because the thing is, I expected avowed to get another cinematic trailer and then maybe some gameplay, maybe, maybe not. And then for them to be like, that will be out fall 2022. I'm like, cool. But now that avowed didn't even show up at all, I'm like, oh, okay, well, fuck. Does that mean it shows up at like, and here's the thing, here's the thing where I'm being really unfair, right? Xbox, above all the other studios, loves to be the one to show up at every event. They like to go to Gamescom and E3 and Game Awards and everything. They like to do their own little events in between. They like to have random days, like random Wednesdays in March, where they just randomly announce something like Indiana Jones. Xbox is the one that really likes to just do it all. They have their directs. They have their press conferences. They show up to every big event. They have their random days where they announce stuff. So Xbox is always announcing some stuff. So E3 is not the end-all be-all for them. And I understand we still have the Game Awards. We still have Gamescom. I think they're doing digital this year. Um, there are opportunities for them to talk about Avowed. But like, hmm, 
You announced that last year. Obsidian is not that big. You can't spread them that thin. They can't be working on Avowed and Outer Worlds 2 and Grounded all at the same fucking time. And I know Grounded is a very small, like, secondary team. I promise you they put a bunch more people on Grounded since it's come out because of its popularity because it actually took off. But, like, really, guys? Like, we're going to announce Outer Worlds 2 when, like, we don't even know shit about Avowed? It's like, I feel like they're doing that thing. It's like, add this to the list of Xbox games that are confirmed that we have no idea what the fuck they are because all we have is a cinematic announcement trailer and nothing more. So, and again, a lot of this one, specifically for Outer Worlds 2, is not about announcing the game. It's about setting the expectation in the stage for Obsidian going forward. But I feel like Avowed kind of already implied that. So whatever. And remember, the other week in the news, we were talking about how that one executive guy from Private Division was like, oh, we're very pleased with the way Outer Worlds performed. Uh, We're very happy with Obsidian. That game sold very well for us. Uh, We're definitely looking forward to seeing more of Outer Worlds uh, from from Obsidian. It's like, I don't think that guy who works there realizes that... uh, Obsidian got bought out by Microsoft and that you're not going to be publishing the next Outer Worlds game. So uh, in a way, he kind of ousted that this game was going to be a thing to begin with, which is funny. But again, that I don't I think that's coincidental. I don't think this trailer was a response to that there's no way they put this trailer together that fast. Um, but anyway, here we are. Another Xbox game we have no information on. We don't know when it's coming, but uh, it's announced. So a lot of people took that as a win. But I, I but again, Let me, again, it sounds like I'm being really negative. Let me continuously drive this point home. I'm not upset. I have plenty of games to play on my Xbox. I'm fine with that. It's cool to know there's going to be another Outer Worlds 2. I don't need to play it today. I don't need to play it next year. I can wait. I don't care. I have plenty of good shit to play. But again, it's like, from a perspective of like, making promises and then delivering on them, it's like, how many promises, how many announcements do you want to throw out into the ether before you slow down and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's make good on some of these promises before we just make more, you know? Let's get some of these games out. Let's get some gameplay demos out. Let's get some release dates out. Let's do some of that before we just keep announcing more shit. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay, like, like if you guys are cool with it and everyone else is cool with it, I'm cool with it. I Like, when this is over, when I'm done doing this podcast, I'm going to go back to playing Tron, which is a fucking video game from 2010 that no one gives a shit about. Like, I'm happy. I can find ways to keep myself busy with my Xbox. It's not a big deal for me. But again, I'm just saying, like, if these things matter, remember last year, not not you guys listening to this podcast, but a lot of Xbox fans were up in arms, bitching and moaning about how, well, they keep announcing shit and showing cinematics and all this shit, but they don't, they don't show the gameplay. And then Microsoft even came out. Xbox came out and was like, hey, we're sorry. We didn't meet fan expectations. We understand you guys want gameplay. You don't want trailers. That's our bad. We dropped the ball. We'll be better next time. Corporate PR bullshit. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't care. That's fine. But again, it's like, why were we all up in arms about this last year around this time? But this year they do the same fucking thing. They show us a bunch of Outer Worlds 2 and and Contraband trailers for like all these no-name games that are never coming out. And everyone's just like, fucking sick. Xbox has the games. It's it's hypocrisy. And I just got to call out. Listen, I'm I'm a human. I'm prone to hypocrisy as well. But like, Super hypocritical on everyone's part. I just gotta just gotta call that out. Outer Worlds 2, am I glad they're making it? Yeah, I like the Outer Worlds. Uh, am I glad to see the stage set and the expectation set and that now we understand how this is? Yeah, cool. It's good to know. But like, very unnecessary. 
Uh, next, they showed Flight Simulator. Remember, this is about to come out on Series X. It's been on PC for a while. So July 27th, it's coming to Series X and S only. This game is not coming to Xbox One. Very important to note. This is like the first and only game right now that will not be available on older Xbox consoles, only for the current gen. So July 27th, Game Pass. Also, uh, Top Guns, they're getting a DLC tie-in for the new Top Gun movie, Top Gun Mavericks. Um, so looks pretty cool. It's a little expansion coming this later this fall. Of course, that will probably just be in, you know, in in Game Pass as well. And also, as 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 the trailer for the game announces, please go see Top Gun Mavericks in theaters. So there was a call to action there as well. Um, that's fine. Uh, I'm I'm excited to try out Flight Simulator. It's not like a game I'm like, oh man, Flight Simulator, Halo Infinite, you know. But like, I'm excited to try. I, I'm interested to try fi- Flight Simulator because I think it's gonna be a unique experience to have. Um, but yeah, cool. And then next, okay. Halo is my number one thing. You guys know how I feel about Halo, but here comes, we're, we're reaching the end. This is the last, last two announcements, big ones, but oh boy, this is aside from Halo. This is my big one. I'm so excited to share with you guys. Forza Horizon 5, baby. So I, and here's where I get to be a little bit of a hypocrite. Forza Horizon 5 is announced. Yes, the rumors were true. It's set in Mexico, and the game looks fucking immaculate. I mean this in every sense of the word, immaculate. This game is stunning. It looks visually beautiful, fun to play, fully like reimagined, tons of new ideas and content being crammed in here. This game looks so goddamn good. Don't know, here are my notes I wrote. Don't know how they keep managing to up the ante with with uh, setting and visuals, but holy hell, this thing looks incredible. Showing off the new Ford Bronco in the trailer, and don't think for a minute that I did not notice that Mitsubishi Evo. Coming November 9th, November 9th is the release date, strangely close to Halo's holiday release. Game Pass, of course, so the game is, so I'm hyped. Fuck me, those murals they have recreated on the walls in the game they look amazing and the vistas look like real life and then they pull into gameplay heart emoji heart emoji heart emoji mike brown from playground games comes out to talk about the game in great detail ray tracing in forza makes my heart go boom boom new campaign mode that looks good for playing events lab mode offers really cool creatable challenges and fun settings looks kind of like dirt 5's arcade mode really cool cannot wait to see what comes from this that sums up my feelings pretty well. Forza Horizon 5 looks amazing. And yes, when um when Mike Brown came out to like talk about the game, it was crazy because he'd be like, look at this beautiful vista, blah, 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 blah. This is the world we, we created. Mexico is so beautiful. Look at this game. And I'd be like, this like I, this is going to sound like such a cliche thing, thing to say. And I know, I know racing games are always the games that look the most beautiful. We get it. We get it. We get it. They're easier to do because you don't have to animate humans and animals doing weird shit. It's easier to just do settings and cars. I get it. But... Fuck me. They show like a setting and it looks so beautiful. I'm like, this is honest to God, real life footage. And then a car just like zooms into view and then it's in the gameplay. I'm like, oh my God, it's gameplay. It was such a cool way to show off the beauty of this game. And they showed such, I I don't know. Like, I know not everyone's a car guy and everyone likes racing games. I respect that. I feel the same way when I see fucking Suikoden and Madden and all that bullshit. But like, oh my God, this was such a good deal. This is exactly what I was looking for. It was a nice introduction, a cinematic trailer. The game's launches soon. Big gameplay deep dive. All the details and information. Release date, see in a few months. Boom. I'm like, holy fuck. Not every game needs to be that. I get that there are going to be games you announced that are like two or three years out. That's how this works sometimes. But like, we need more of that. 
We need more of that. And Forza is usually that. And goddamn, it's so nice to have it. It's so nice that... Can you imagine... it? Like, to equate what they're doing with all these new games to Forza... Let me try and explain this to you. Like, what Contraband does and what Redfall, which is the next game we're about to talk about, does. Like, it's like... Can you imagine if there was never a Forza Horizon game? So there's no precedent for this. We don't know what the fuck it is, right? And the trailer for the game is just like a beautiful vista in Mexico. A beautiful mural on the side of a building. A cactus, like a panning of a cactus. And like a car zips by and zooms, but it's not like a race car, it's just like a regular car. It just zooms by on, on the road, on the open road. And then it's like fucking water, like deer drinking out of the water, like taking it in. And then it, ju- and then it just shows, and then it, like, it just shows the sky, like the, the, the sky and says Forza Horizon. And like, this is a hypothetical scenario where Forza doesn't exist. You've never heard of it before. It's a brand new thing. It just says Forza Horizon 2023. And you're just like, okay, what the fuck was that? Like, what is that game? You just showed me a bunch of desert and a fucking building and a car zip by. Like, what the fuck is that? But they're just like console exclusive game pass hype. I'm like, okay. Like, or, or don't even show a release date, basically. That's what, that's what half these announcements are. This is why... Again, I'm not I'm not like mad at Xbox. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I have plenty of stuff to play. But again, it's like, we're all here hyping them and praising them for what a great job they did. It's like, are you sure about that? It's like, because they're really good at not telling you what the fuck's going on with, with uh, Perfect Dark or Fable or State of Decay. They're really good at not telling you that. But they're, and they're also really good at announcing more shit that's vague and you have no concept of what it actually is. And that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, why are we talking about it if we have nothing to say? And so that's what I mean. Like, that's why Forza Horizon 5 was especially such a nice breath of air because it was like, God damn it, man. Like, this is exactly how you do it. Here's the game. Here's exactly what it is. Here's what it looks like in the trailer. Here's the awesome montage reveal. Here's the release date. Here's some really good gameplay. Here's a developer talking a little bit about what the game is. Couple minutes of this, all done, wrapped up. November 9th, we'll see you in a few months. Game Pass, of course. Like, that's all you could ever ask for. Forza Horizon 5 had such a strong... And you guys know I'm a huge Forza fan. I really love the Horizon series. Forza Horizon is probably my favorite racing series of all time. I'm so hyped for this game. It looks great. It looks fucking great. Let's say Halo doesn't get delayed. Forza and Halo back-to-back in Game Pass, Xbox first-party games. I'm totally... I'm, I'm set, man. I don't need much, okay? And, and for, between Forza and Halo, those are kinds of games... Those are rare games that I don't just play through and I'm done with. Those are games I'm going to stick with. Like, I still play Forza Horizon 4. I still play Halo 5. Like, I'm going to play Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite for many years to come. So, like, the fact that both of these games are coming out pretty soon, that makes 2021 a really good year for Xbox, For in my opinion, for me as a, as a consumer. So, like... I'm happy. This is why I can't go ahead and say, oh, they fucking suck. Xbox sucks. They didn't deliver. Like, dude, I'm good. Halo and Forza, bye. I I guess I'm kind of like that old stereotypical meme of like an Xbox fanboy. Remember like in the early mid Xbox One days where people like, Xbox has no games. It's always just Forza, Halo, Gears, Forza, Halo, Gears, Forza, Halo, Gears. I guess I'm kind of like that 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 meme of a, of an Xbox fanboy because that sounds so good to me. Like I know Xbox owns so much shit now, and people are like, oh yeah, Starfield exclusive to Xbox. We have the games. Fuck you, PlayStation. Like that's cool. Like Starfield's cool. Like I'm glad you guys are happy about that. I'm still just happy with like Halo and Forza. Like I'm I'm, I'm all giggly inside, just being like, yeah, I'll play my third party games here and there. But like 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna go home and play Halo. Then I'm gonna play Forza, and then a new Hot Wheels game is gonna come out. and I'll play that, and then a new Sonic game is gonna come out. And I'll play that. Like I'm so easy to please. Like I. I'll be honest, like, it's so great being an Xbox fan now because people aren't picking on you all the time, and Game Pass is such an incredible value, and they really are spearheading so many new innovations in the industry. So it's really cool to be a part of the Xbox fandom and to be a part of this community right now. It's a really cool time for Xbox. But if I'm being truly honest, never once during the Xbox One generation when we quote-unquote didn't have any games or when things were rough or when everyone was shitting on Xbox and it was like, why the fuck would you buy an Xbox One? PS4 is where it's at. Never once during that time was I like, man, I really kind of wish I bought a PlayStation 4. The Xbox just isn't doing it for me. Like, I always had stuff to play on my Xbox One. This is before Game Pass. This is when they owned a fraction of the studios they own now. I always had something to play on my Xbox One. And make no mistake about it, Xbox One was my college years. I played a lot of fucking video games in college. Like, I spent... I always found a way to play Xbox. I didn't always find a way to, like, be up on my classes or be ahead of the curve or read that book I was supposed to read or study for that test. I always found time to play my Xbox. And I never ran out of things to play on that thing. So, in all fairness, like... And that, and that's just, again, this is just me setting the stage. Like, I'm going to call Xbox out and hold them accountable and tell you what I think is fair criticism here. But it doesn't mean I'm mad at them or that, like, we don't have sufficient games or they're, they're screwing us over. Like, I, I don't care. I'm totally fine with what I got. But you got to do, like, Forza, a little more Forza Horizon 5, a little less contraband, a little less, a little less Redfall. Speaking of Redfall, let's wrap this up. This is, we're coming to the close of, I told you, this is going to be the longest episode of Xbox on ever. So finally, we get to the end of the conference. Papa Phil finally comes out on stage. He says, don't think you weren't going to see me. I got to fill out Jesse's uh, bingo card. So here's the part where I talk about players at the center of the universe. But all joking aside, Papa Phil comes out, basically wrap things up to reiterate, talks about the value of Game Pass, says basically, what, what was it, like 27 out of 30 games that they showed at the event or all Game Pass titles, you know, um, reaching players all over the world, recapping the event. They do a little sizzle reel, all that. And then he does the one more thing. This is really cool because they let Bethesda kick off Xbox's E3 press conference, which is really cool. They let Pete Hines and Todd Howard come out and say what's up. And then they let Phil Spencer announce a Bethesda game at the end of the show. I love that. I, I Obviously, intentional synergy. They're trying to be like, look at us. We play together. We're all one family now. I thought that was really well done the way they pulled that off. That's a very that's very good brand synergy and just corporate. Uh, I don't know, like play together and um, uh, 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 public performance and I, I don't know. I, I'm at a loss for what I'm trying to say, but I, I thought that was very well done. But anyway, the one last thing. This is where they announced Redfall. Okay, so let's just get into this. They did a pretty long cinematic trailer only, only cinematic trailer, no gameplay. Redfall from Arcane Studios Austin. These guys are split into a couple teams now. They're originally from France. Usually they're making games about baguettes and shit like that. But this is their Austin, Texas team. The guys behind games like Prey, Dishonored, whatever. So Redfall um, is the name of the game. It's from Arcane Austin. And this is what I wrote. These are my notes. Weird characters, class-based action game with supernatural abilities, trying to survive vampires or something. Character cinematic reveal trailer. Cool abilities and weapons. Looks like Robot Dog from ReCore found a new job. Vibes of Ghostbusters, Left 4 Dead, Overwatch, Deathloop, whatever else you can think of. Ellipses. Again, this game may be way off, not quite sure. But the announcement screamed, hey, don't pay attention to Arkham's... In imminent release of Deathloop coming exclusively to PS5. 
because now we own them here at Xbox. Please associate Xbox with Arcane going forward. Uh, and then, oh, release date of summer 2022. If this game is a summer 2020, sorry, if this game is a summer 2022 game, I am less like meh about the whole here's a cinematic trailer with no gameplay. Still, if it's a summer 2022 game, you like to think that they could show you some fucking gameplay. Hmm. But okay. So we don't really know what this game is, again, because they show us a lot of characters. They show us a lot of tone. They show us a lot of setting. They didn't show us a lot of gameplay. We don't know what the fucking game is. But my assumption based on what we see the characters doing is that every character, it will be like a co-op. I think they I think they said in the press release, it's like an open world co-op action game. And like every character has like its own kind of class and abilities and you can select which character to play as. The premise of that, I like that. It's cool. Uh, guys, stop making so many co-op games. I don't have any friends, but I like this this premise. I like that concept. Um, it sounds like fun. Usually I'm a little tepid on Arcane, which is really unfair because I haven't played a lot of their shit. I really need to get around to Dishonored. You see what I mean? I have no shortage of games to play. I really need to get around to Dishonored. I have it downloaded, but um, I don't know. I, these these guys, I feel like... It's that weird thing where like I know this isn't Bethesda Game Studios, but all of Bethesda's teams have this weird similarity to them. Like There's this... Arcane feels like a different flavor of the Bethesda first person formula, which is like there's the there's the Doom Id flavor, there's the Machine Games Wolfenstein flavor, and then there's the Arcane like uh, Dishonored Prey kind of formula, and they all kind of look and feel like a little bit of that European style first person like looking jank development thing that they all got going on, kind of shared together. I don't I don't know. It look it just looks like Arcane to me. Like I, I look at this, I'm like, yeah, that looks like something Arcane made. But at the same time, it's like, there's no gameplay. I don't know how to fucking judge it, you know? So it's like, it, there's just a lot going on here. It's like, okay, it comes out in just a year. That's pretty good. You know, it's pretty fucking cool. I doubt it, but it comes out next year, apparently, next summer. Definitely gets delayed at least into the fall, at least. Again, it's like, I have such a hard time getting hyped about this. It, it, it's, you showed me so much of stuff, but so much of nothing at the same time. So until I know what this game really looks like in action, I can't give you my hype. Listen, Left 4 Dead is one of my favorite multiplayer co-op action games of all time. Left 4 Dead, I love it so, so, so much. And the reason why I'm so excited for Back 4 Blood is because when they announced it, not only is it the guys that made Left 4 Dead going back to Left 4 Dead, essentially, but when they announced it, they showed us gameplay. And immediately I was like, oh my god, that's that's Left 4 Dead. We're, we're back, it's Left 4 Dead. And so for a game like this, I'm like, just show us what it looks like, man. I'm not saying it's a bad game. Listen, the characters look cool. You got that cool chick with the afro that has the umbrella fucking uh, ability where it's like she like pulls down like like blasts the uh, vampires all the way back with like that massive force of energy. Like it looks cool. Like the characters look cool. Some of the characters are a little like cringe. They do like the uh, Edgar Allan bro joke, which is like beyond cringy. Um, it definitely does that like obnoxious gamer kind of pandering stuff that I cannot stand where they're just like, this game's about some crazy shit. Let's get into the shit that led our characters to this moment. And it's like, dude, why, why do video game developers always, and, and marketers always feel like they have to talk down to us? Like we're like, you know, that meme where it's that, I forget that fucking actor's name. Who's always in those Adam Sandler movies, but he's got like the backwards cap and the, in the, and the hoodie on, and he's holding the skateboard, and he's like, what's up, young kid, or like, what is it, it's like, it's like, 
what's up, fellow fellow kid or whatever. This reminds me of that kind of shit so much where I'm just like, stop trying to be so like cringy and cool. Everything ever since Overwatch, every fucking game is like, well, there's multiple characters and they're all their own very unique personalities. They all look different. They play different. They're all very interesting. It's like, it, it feels like it's all like set up for like, art design students to like get little boners over to be like, Oh my God, I'm so obsessed with this character. I keep drawing them. It's like, I feel like every one of these games is designed to try and get that same fucking type of person. You know what I mean? Like that, like that Cal art student who's just like, Oh my God, this is my favorite character from this game. It's like, yeah, we, we fucking get it. They're all bubbling with personality and they're all different. We get it. We get it. We get it. Unique cast of characters, but it's like, I don't care about any of that. If you don't have a game to show me, I don't care how cool your characters are, how unique they are, what abilities they have, if you're not going to show me what that fucking looks like in gameplay. So, again, it's like, cool to see that it's supposedly a game that's only 12 months out from now. That's awesome, you know? That's really cool. Cool to see that we immediately know what... Arcane's jumping on next since they're about to launch a PS5 exclusive despite being owned by Xbox. So I get it. This is very much a way of saying like, hey, 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 remember, um, that's Deathloop's only happening because of prior contractual obligations, but they're our team. Here's what they're working on. Forget about Deathloop. Let's focus on their Xbox game. I, I get it. That's the reason for all this shit. It all makes sense to me. I get it. This game does not, and especially because they don't show gameplay, this game did not give me that like, whoa, that's a mic drop, one last thing worthy type of announcement. It, it felt very like this should have been in the middle of the conference and you should have just like end with Halo or end with Starfield. Or fuck, you could have ended with Forza and I would have been happy. Now, I get it. They can't end with Forza because even though they had a proper reveal for Forza, it's such a niche game in that like so many gamers don't give a shit about Forza. Forza's for like car guys and specific people. Like, people who like racing games. Like, I get it. Most people I know who play video games don't give a fuck about Forza. You know? So, like, I, I get that. But, like, that's a game you had prepared to do a proper one last thing kind of reveal for. Because it's coming out this year. You had a cinematic and a gameplay reveal for it. You had a developer deep dive. And you had the full suite of features to go over. So, like, and it's a game that we didn't know about until today. So, like, that would have been a really good one to do. But... I get it. It's Forza. It's racing. You can't talk about it like a like it's your big mic drop moment. That's why they do it as the as the second to last announcement, though, is because it's the closest thing they truly have to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, f- fuck it. That's it. That that was the show. That was that. And at the end, they do a really cute little tease, like, "Hey, that Xbox Series X mini fridge we talked about. It is coming out this fall. Stay tuned for more info on that." That was that was a pretty cute little joke at the end there. It, it is happening, but it's you know obviously humor humorous um so yeah that that's it i hope now you maybe after going through all the announcements through my point of view you understand where i'm coming from a little bit that's why i say six out of ten it's like if we're talking about quantity of games in value it's a 10 out of 10 so many games so much value since almost everything announced there is going into game pass it's a really really great like what the game's not going into game pass or like what it's like battlefield and what else you know and battlefield will one day be in game pass in like a year or two once it's an ea play but like you, you know it was like a gen it was a genuinely great showing a very strong lineup of games but again so many games that were announced with cinematics and vague release dates and no gameplay no true concept of what the game was 
so many little updates on things no one gives a shit about, like Fallout 76 and Elder Scrolls Online. And then on top of that, it's like, that was great, but like, I can't help but say like, okay, where's our update on Hellblade? What about State of Decay? What about Everwild? What about Avowed? What about Fable? What about Perfect Dark? What about Forza Motorsport? Last year, you announced Forza Motorsport and teased it and went away. This year, you announced Forza Horizon 5 and gave it a release date. It's like, that's weird. I get it. Forza Horizon 5, Forza Horizon will continue to be this like new game release done couple years new game release done in its traditional format whereas forza motorsport is going into like a platform games as a service type like evolving service rather than a one-off release game so i get it there's, there's something different last year's announced for forza motorsport was to set the expectation of where that franchise is going not to be like here's the next game coming out next year so i get it again but like it's just a weird kind of way to be presented all this information. That's all I'm saying. So six out of 10, because in terms of bang for your buck in value, Xbox is a great, great, great place to be. It is objectively the very best place to be for value for your money, for just tons and tons of content, for not a lot of money, and you're going to get tons of really fucking cool games. Awesome. Halo and Forza, in my opinion, were incredibly strong showings. I'm so pumped about both of those games. Really, really strong. And Starfield, even though we didn't get gameplay, I think they did what they needed to do. I don't. I think it's kind of like teetering on the line of acceptable and unacceptable for the lack of gameplay on that one. Just because, you know, it is coming out in a year and, and we already have been presented with this expectation for Starfield that it's like this really vague and ominous, like slow rollout of information on. So, like, I feel like it's kind of acceptable, but at the same time, we should have seen gameplay. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's basically my takeaway. Great value, great quality of quantity of games. I wish we got better looks at these games and more updates on some of these other games. Like, can we get a little less Fallout 76 update and Far Cry 6 50th fucking trailer and instead get a little more like where State of Decay 3? Like State of Decay 3 in particular is one I'm really interested in seeing because they've been an Xbox game studio for a while now. I can't wait to see what like a full fully staffed undead labs with a bunch of time and a bunch of money can make with state of decay they can make it really big really expansive really fleshed out and not very buggy and i, I want to see that happen so like i'm interested to see that game but uh here we are so that was the wrap up not that's kind of it for now guys we're already at almost three hours so that that is by far the bulk of this week's episode of course we're going to talk about some additional stories and the other uh, uh, press conferences. But here's the thing is Xbox did such a killer job at their press conference. And then like Ubisoft and Square Enix and Capcom had such extremely shitty conferences with so little to talk about that. We're just going to blast through those. It's going to be very, very short, like literally like five to 10 minutes of conference because there's just so little that happened at most of these. <laughs> um, so, so don't worry there. We are through the bulk of the podcast, but just want to give you an update. Um, oh, and one last thing. So obviously this podcast is being recorded Wednesday night. We'll go live tomorrow morning on Thursday, like it always does. But Xbox hates us. And so they announced that Thursday, tomorrow, the day this podcast goes live, um, at 1 in the afternoon Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, they will do a feature conversation with developers Double Fine, Obsidian, Ninja Theory, Rare, and apparently more. They don't say who. So um, kind of funny games uh uh paris 
Lily, the guy that is a apparently a non-biased Xbox commentator, but is totally in bed with Xbox PR, um, will be hosting the event and kind of doing like interviews with these developers. So we'll get a lot of deep dives on games like Psychonauts 2 and things like that. So hopefully, you know, they say Ninja Theory. So it's like, okay, we're going to see Ninja. We're going to see Hellblade. Okay, cool. They say Double Fine. So we're going to see Psychonauts. Okay, I get that. They say Obsidian. So it's like, okay, what are you going to show us other than Grounded? Do you have gameplay to show of Avowed? If so, I'll eat my fucking words. You know, I'll put this podcast out tomorrow and you'll hear me bitching and moaning about all these things I'm bitching and moaning about. And then you'll be like, Jesse, you fucking idiot. They just announced all this. They just showed all this gameplay of Avowed, you fucking moron. So maybe I'll be incredibly outdated the second this podcast goes live. Maybe I'll sound like a fucking idiot. But for now, you know, so this is all happening tomorrow. I'm not delaying the show for it. My thing is, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Of course, we're going to get news from it that we'll talk about next week. But if it is like, oh my god, they just showed the gameplay reveal for Avowed. Oh my god, they just showed uh, the gameplay reveal for Senuous uh, Saga, Hellblade 2. Oh my god, they just uh, they just um, showed Everwild running in, in engine or something. Like If that's the kind of shit we get tomorrow, yeah. I'll drop a bonus episode on Friday or Saturday for you because I'm not going to wait another week for that. I'm not out of town. There's no excuse for why I can't do that. But I'm not expecting this to be... Like, whoa, here's literally a second conference after the first one. So just to set the expectation. But the next one we'll talk about is Ubisoft's E3 showcase. So let's jump into that. All right, let's work through the rest here. So the next conference we're going to jump through is the Ubisoft. And I kind of organized these in terms of like, I don't know, like the biggest to smallest in terms of like the, the rest of these conferences. So like Ubisoft, not a big conference, but bigger for is certainly more interesting than what happened at like, say, uh, like Capcom. So Ubisoft, in my opinion, only had like two really big things, but we'll just go through them in order. So Rainbow Six Extraction, this is definitely one of the two big things. Uh, We got a trailer. Uh, The game is coming out September 16th, so pretty soon. And this is is the Rainbow Six Quarantine. They renamed it Extraction because, you know, sensitivity towards COVID or something. I was very very confused by this game because Rainbow Six has always been a pretty serious franchise. And then this one, for some reason, is just like... Yeah, it's Rainbow Six with aliens. I'm like, uh, what? So I, I'm a little confused as to what the decision was. And then on top of that, as I've said on the show before, it's like Rainbow Six Siege is doing so well. Why would you want to potentially cannibalize that game? But now I think I understand what they're doing a little better because I think the point is that because they announced a bunch of new content for Rainbow Six uh, Siege recently as well. So I think what they're getting at is they're going to continue to to support Rainbow Six Siege and keep it going as a service, but they're going to do Rainbow Six Extraction in tandem with that. Um, so it's like you get like your more serious technical kind of Rainbow Six Siege thing that is what it already is and people love it. And it's great. Uh, and then you have Rainbow Six Extraction, which I think looks a little, I could be wrong. I think it looks a little less tactical, a little more actiony, And it's a little more of like a dumb arcadey or a little more fun kind of version of Rainbow Six where you fight, aliens and shit so i think that's kind of the idea is to have like two flavors of it kind of like forza motorsport and forza horizon you know where it's like oh, okay this one's like super simian and realistic and this one's kind of like fun and arcadey so that is my guess is what they're going for here um in terms of like gameplay like the game looks fine here's here's the thing is like if i didn't know what rainbow six siege was i would look at rainbow six extraction and be like oh i'm really excited about this i want to play this but I know what Rainbow Rainbow Six Siege is, and I know how much it's not for me. 
And I'm like, okay, well, that means extraction's probably not for me as well. Um, I will wait and see. If people are like, oh, this is nothing like a Rainbow Six game, might as well just, you know, it's basically just a arcadey alien shooter game. I'll be like, fuck it, I'll bite. You know, like, it, it sounds cool. But I don't think that's what it is, or at least not fully. So I'm going to wait on that. But, like, my takeaway was just, like, this is really weird. Rainbow Six is definitely not the kind of franchise I would expect them to take in such a weird, you know, kind of, like, sci-fi direction. But, I mean, here we are. So that was the big one. Trailer looks cool. Um, the gameplay demo. And coming out soon, September 16th. So that was the the... the, the the big thing. And I should also say there's a bunch of stuff I'm leaving out of these conferences as well, because you know, some of it's like PlayStation Nintendo exclusive. So obviously Ubisoft had a new Mario and Rabbids game. That's not Xbox relevant. We're not talking about that, but, um, their next thing was Rocksmith, which I didn't even know was still around, but Rocksmith is getting a subscription model and the beta is available now. So I, so like, this is brand new to me that Rocksmith is still a thing, but uh, that's that's cool. It's cool to say that this is still alive in some way, shape, or form. Hopefully one day we'll get like Guitar Hero and Rock Band back in a way that people will actually allow to persist. Next, they showed Riders Republic, which comes out September 2nd, so pretty soon, a new trailer. So again, this game is technically a big deal. It is a AAA game. It is a big Ubisoft release. It's kind of like steep, but instead of like, you know, like snowy extreme sports, like snowboarding stuff... This is all like BMX and stuff. The game looks cool, but it's like simmy and like extreme sports related. It's not like Tony Hawk extreme sports. It's like, I don't know, like Olympic game kind of like level like seriousness. It's just kind of boring looking to me. So it's hard for me to, I'm not going to sit here and try to like fill up airtime for no reason and talk about these games in any way if, if this game does absolutely nothing for me. And this is a perfect example of a game that does zero for me. So Riders Republic is coming out very soon. This is a, this is a big game in terms of it being, you know, AAA, a big release, but I, I can't imagine most people listening to this podcast give a shit about this at all. Then next, they showed new content coming to Ghost Recon Breakpoint at some time in the future. Literally as vague as that. Ghost Recon will get new content in the future. Okay. Great. Glad we're doing an E3 presentation for that. Uh, and then another deep dive at Far Cry 6. I mean, yes, it's Ubisoft's game. Ubisoft's stage of course they're going to show this game so i'm not like obsessed uh, upset about it but like fuck i'm so tired of seeing this fucking game so yes we saw far cry 6 again and they showed a, uh, a whole trailer with the bad guy and it was actually pretty cool the bad guy looks really cool um and it was a it was a pretty cool like extended story deep dive but fuck i don't care and then they revealed the Battle Pass for Far Cry 6. So Far Cry 6 will actually not have a map editor mode like previous Far Cry games, unfortunately. Um, but it will have, in its Battle Pass, um, a villain's campaign where it's like you get to play a level as the villain from Far Cry 3, a, a level as the villain from Far Cry 4, and Far Cry 5. That is uh, Voss, Pagan Man, and Joseph Seed, respectively. So each of them will get a level, and you get to play the game from their perspective. I'm not sure what it will be or what that looks like from a story perspective. But I think that sounds like a fun and wacky concept that I'm actually pretty interested in trying. I would, I would like to play that. Um, comes with a season pass also coming with a season pass um, is a re-release of far cry three blood dragon. So I guess it'll just probably just be ported to new consoles, but that'll be cool. Um, I don't, I don't have any interest in playing that again, but you know, far cry 
We already talked about that, more of that. Then they talked about the next Just Dance 2022. It comes out on November 4th. So, I mean, it's Just Dance. comes out every year. Who cares? Assassin's Creed Valhalla, they talked about that. They said it is getting DLC support. So it's got some stuff in the works. Um, then we skip a bunch of unrelated non-Xbox stuff. And then they close with what I think is the most important announcement, the most exciting announcement. The only thing from here I really took away going, or walked away from going, Damn, that, that that game looks good. I care about that. So Avatar, the game's called Avatar Frontiers of Pandora. Um, they showed a really like long cinematic in engine trailer or whatever. Um, so yes, I was bummed that we didn't get any gameplay of this because this game was announced in like 2017, 20 yeah, I think 2017 or 2016 maybe. So this game's been announced for a long time. And this is the first time we've ever seen anything on it. So it's been like five years. Now they say it's coming out next year. It's a 2022 release. That's all we got on that. Uh, the trailer looks awesome. The game looks stunning. The world looks stunning. Um, and I have every intention of playing this. But again, it's we waited for this for so long. It's being developed by Massive. These are the guys that make the uh, Division games. Now remember, a new team is taking the division on from here, and they're gonna make a new, apparently like one-off kind of division game. And then Massive is going on to make that new Star Wars game. This Avatar game, I'm thinking, has got to be mostly done by now, right? Like they probably wanted to have this game ready for like 2018 when those new Avatar movies were supposed to come out, but didn't come out. So I assume this is probably a game that's been largely finished for a while, which is unusual in gaming. But like, I just don't understand how. It was in development for a long time. It was announced five years ago. It just disappeared. But the movies keep also getting punted. I think this game's uh, conspicuous delay has a lot more to do with the movie and a lot less to do with the game. So my guess is that it's going to be a very polished, very like ready-to-go game by the time it comes out. But uh, I-, I could be totally wrong on that. Uh, but the game looks awesome. I'll be honest. I- I- I'm right there with most people. Pandora or Avatar doesn't do it for me. I saw the movie when it came out in 2009. Yes, it was fun. It was pretty, whatever. It's kind of unremarkable for the most part in terms of characters and story. But this is this is the rare example of when my love of theme parks gets to gets to intermingle with video games in a, in a way that actually makes sense for the show. They have, at Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park, they have an entire land dedicated to Avatar, this James Cameron universe. And it is, even though I don't care for that movie, and most people don't, that land and people guess unanimously agree. Like this is one of the absolute most stunning places ever built in the theme park. It is beyond amazing. And it opened in 2017. And I'll be, I'll be honest, that uh, it's called Pandora world of avatar. Um, it is my favorite theme park land. Disney does a lot of these now where they do like an entire land dedicated to a single thing. Universal famously has it with Harry Potter. That's what kind of kicked this off. But like Disney has one that's like themed to cars out in California. They have a Star Wars one now. They have an Avatar one now. They have a Toy Story one now. The Avatar one, at least in Florida, the Avatar land they have is by far the most impressive and immersive and just captivating single world ever built around a single IP that they have. And I'm I'm in love with it. I don't care for that movie at all. But the attractions are amazing. The world the land is beautiful at night. It comes to life and glows. The restaurant there is incredible. And just having had so many incredible experiences there at Disney World in this land has made me really gain a big appreciation, not for the movie and the story and the characters, 
but for the environment and the setting in the world of this universe. Because that's really what the land is about at Disney. It's it's not about the characters or the movie. It really is about it's about the animals and the and the setting and the world of the movie. And which is good because that's the best part of the movie. <laughs> and uh, that now that has me kind of excited for this game is like, I, I don't care about whatever the story or the characters are. Let's see. Oh, I mean, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it surprises me. It's good. But like a third person action game set in that universe set in, you know, I'm going to play it not thinking of a movie I didn't care about from 2009. I'm going to play it thinking about my, one of my favorite places in the theme park. And playing a game set in that universe is going to be really fucking cool. And I, I suspect a lot of people will enjoy this game because Avatar did obviously it's stupid well. It was a billion dollar box office hit with only one film. Like clearly, clearly this this franchise is doing very well. Um, and I think people there's enough people who've been pretty interested in these sequels that I think they're going to do all right. They're probably not going to do as well as the first movie, but they'll do all right. So I don't know. I think between the kind of cachet of this brand and the legacy of that first movie and the sequels coming up. I think there's enough to justify this game. Um, but more importantly, Avatar, what, if there's anything Disney taught me with that land, that Avatar land they built is Avatar is a really, really cool world that is fun to explore and experience. It's not great in the movie. It's like those characters and that story they built around it is not great, but like I want to go there in real life in that theme park. I want to play a game in there and explore it in this Ubisoft game. I, I don't want to watch a movie about, you know, the white man uh, depleting a, a planet of its resources. It's not really a fun movie, but it's a fun, it's a beautiful land to explore. And that's what I do in the theme park. And that's what you do in video games. So I think this game, I think this world is right for a video game. And I'm excited to see a team like massive do a serious AAA approach to it rather than like the only other Avatar game we ever had, which was just a cheap movie tie-in cash grab. So I think this game looks stunning. I'm excited to see some more legitimate gameplay, and apparently it's coming next year. So this was a genuine like treat of this otherwise pretty unremarkable showcase. Ubisoft's showcase was really, really bland. It's more Far Cry, which we've already seen a bunch of, Rainbow Six Extraction, which is cool, Mario Rabbids new game, which is awesome, but totally unrelated unrelated to Xbox, and then this Avatar game. Everything else was just kind of pan uh, was just kind of filler bullshit. So that was Ubisoft's conference. I'm telling you, that was the second longest one we had to talk about. So the rest are like really fast. So next, let's jump into Square Enix. You guys feeling good so far? Okay, we're in the hour three mark of the podcast now. So, all right, Square Enix. This was a really bad one. So. They basically, they basically started with the only thing of any consequence, at least for me, which is Guardians of the Galaxy. So this is an interesting one. Apparently there were rumors about this game. I never heard these rumors, so maybe I'm just doing a bad job of surfing the web for news stories for this, for this podcast. But nonetheless, apparently this was rumored, but now it's confirmed. Um, and it's coming out really soon. So releasing on October 26th, the game is called Guardians of the Galaxy, simply. It's being developed by Eidos Montreal, the Deus Ex human our mankind divided and human revolution guys who did the shadow of the tomb raider game a few years back so this is interesting they they kind of do like the second team to uh crystal dynamics crystal dynamics did tomb raider and then they kind of took the mantle and did the third one and then it's like crystal dynamics did avengers and then they kind of took the smaller mantle and did guardians of the galaxy so there's this weird kind of dichotomy between those two i guess but nonetheless they're working on this game it's almost ready to go. It's coming out October 26th. They did a whole reveal trailer. They had gameplay. They did a big deep dive. They had a lot to show. And I want to be excited about this. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. I like Marvel. But 
it's so weird because it looks like a cross between Crystal Dynamics Avengers game where all the characters look way too realistic and the art style is like different enough to not be a rip on the Marvel Cinematic Universe versions, but you can tell the art is still heavily inspired from the Marvel Cinematic Universe versions anyway. So it just looks weird. It looks like the wrong actors in the right set, if that makes sense. So like it kind of throws me off, uh, but it looks like a cross between that and the Telltale version of Guardians of the Galaxy. Remember a couple of years ago, uh, Telltale Games, now being reformed but were defunct, uh, made you know those those choose your own adventure kind of dialogue driven games. Um, they made a Guardians of the Galaxy game. It was a five-part series. I actually played it. It was pretty good. Um, they made that. That was probably 2017 or 2018 when that came out. And it was very good, but, like, I don't know. Like, this game kind of looks like that game. And what's weird is, even though it's a third-person action game where you play a Star-Lord and you can kind of command the other members of the Guardians of the Galaxy to kind of, like, do things, even though it's a single-player third-person action game, the weird thing is, it still has, like, the dialogue trees and the select your choice and everything. And it has this weird kind of, like, touches of Marvel Cinematic Universe, but it's also its own style. So, in a lot of ways, it looks like it's ripping off the Telltale game from a few years ago, while also ripping off the movie, while also kind of doing what Marvel's Avengers does. So, visually, this this game is really fucking me up, and it's really impeding on my ability to, to appreciate it and want to play it. Um, but yeah, it's very humor-based, uh, choices, it's third-person action, we already talked about all that, uh, no games-as-a-service stuff, and they made it very clear, just because Marvel's Avengers is, is games-as-a-service, this is not, this is a one-off, single-player, story-driven, one-done ex one experience, coming out October 26th really soon. The game looks good, the gameplay looks average, like the gunplay and everything, like it looks, it looks fun, but it looks kind of unremarkable at the same time, if that makes sense, so... Not in a bad way, it's just like, you know, it's not going to knock your socks off, it's just another third-person action game, so, you know, that's fine. Yeah, it looks good, I just, uh, I, I, I want to have more to say about this, I just have such a hard time, because I cannot get over the fact that we just had a Guardians of the Galaxy game a few years ago, and this game is like, marketing itself as something different, but it has actually a lot of that same stuff in it, so it's like, okay. Okay, what's the point? But yeah, that's, I mean, that's the game. I just can't get over the art style and how similar it is to something we just recently played. The other thing that I keep, that keeps getting me is obviously a huge part of Guardians of the Galaxy is obviously it's like, it's like 80s music selection, stuff like that. But like, the movies have used so many of those iconic songs. And now the Telltale game, the Telltale game, Guardians of the Galaxy used so many of those songs. And now it's at the point where, like, it feels like they're really scraping the bottom of the barrel for, like, these 80s hits. Where they're like, oh, I kind of want to use, like, Surrender by Cheap Trick or whatever. But, like, or I guess that's that's the 70s song. But anyway, they use it. Anyway, it's like, they kind of want to use that song. But it's like, oh, but we can't use that one because that was done in the second movie. It's like, oh, okay, well, we'll use, like, Hit Me With Your Best, Best Shot by Pat Benatar. It's like, no, I think they use that in this version of the game or this version of the theme park attraction or the first movie or this Avengers movie. So it's like, it, it, it's, it gets to the point where it's like, you know, that, that like seventies, eighties rock music is so iconic with star Lord and his character, but like they've run through the well of so many of those iconic songs between the movies and the previous video game and everything that we've gotten to the point now where it's like, here's like the latest guardians of the galaxy game, but it's like, fuck, they're just running out of songs. <laughs> So now they're kind of like using like the D tier songs from that time period just to try and like <laughs> uh, build, flesh out that world and, and, and have that part of his identity. So I, 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 I don't know. I couldn't help but kind of feel that way. But anyway, 
I feel like I'm being kind of hard on it. The game looks fine. I'll probably play it when it's on sale. It's um, it looks completely fine. It looks like the kind of game where like you have zero hype for it, but whenever you finally get around to playing it, you go, "Oh, that was a really pleasant weekend experience." Like I'm glad I played that 12 hour game over the course of this past weekend. It was fun. You know, that's kind of how it's hitting me. But um, the next thing they showed was Marvel's Avengers. It's getting a Black Panther Wakanda expansion. They showed a story trailer. It looks good. It will be free when it comes out. Great new content for Marvel's Avengers. Pretty substantial looking content as well. Next, they showed a new Hitman mobile game. Not Xbox related, but I just wanted to put this there because I thought they let I thought they let Hitman guys go. I didn't know they, they were still using the IP in any way, but whatever. IO. Yeah, I thought I thought IO walked with the IP, but I guess Square can still use it to some capacity. I don't, I don't know how that works. Anyway, then they did an update on the Life is Strange Remaster Collection, which is coming September 30th, which is 20 days after the new Life is Strange game comes out, which is coming out September 10th. That's Life is Strange 2 True Colors. I'm excited for that game. I actually want to play that. And then they, they ended with um, Strangers of Paradise, which is a new Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy Origins. So... Tons of rumors were going around about this game. It was supposed to be a PlayStation exclusive, according to the rumors, but it is coming to Xbox. So that's why we're here talking about it. Um, it's being developed by Koei Tecmo and t- or published by Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja or whatever. Sorry. It's being developed by Koei Tecmo and Team Ninja. Um, it's a Final Fantasy spinoff in the vein of Neo. So pretty grueling third-person action game you play as jack and his friends to defeat chaos i guess you play as like bad guys has a very dark and gruff tone um from other previous final fantasy games and uh playstation players will get an exclusive demo but the game is still releasing day and date on xbox so um that game looked totally lame to me i i was actually kind of hoping it might be a little interesting but it looked kind of really lame to me totally so yo not 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 crazy about it really don't have much to say about it go look into it if you're interested in a neo type-esque final fantasy game which is a interesting it sounds like a good combination just the game just doesn't look pretty cool to me at all yo so that was the last thing they showed. That was Square Enix's really underwhelming E3 press conference. Really, the only thing I walked away from was Guardians of the Galaxy, which looks like a fun weekend game. <laughs> and then Capcom's E3 showcase, guys, is the, get ready. You're going to blink and it's over. Resident Evil Village is getting DLC. We don't know what, we don't know when, but yeah, at some point it'll have DLC. Resident Evil Reverse has been delayed to J- July, so it's being pushed back by a month. That was one of the announcements. And the last thing is, uh, or in the, in, sorry, and the rest of the showing was all news for the Nintendo Switch and the PlayStation. So that's it. Nothing else Xbox related. That was the Capcom showcase. Bye. Uh, Gearbox had a showcase. Uh, I'm telling you, these were fu- it, this was an awful year for. Uh, part of why people are probably really loving on the Xbox showing so much is because, by comparison, like, it was so easy to love. There was nothing going on outside of Xbox. Actually, Nintendo had a pretty decent showing. That new Metroid game looks so fucking good. But anyway, Gearbox's E3 showcase, they showed Tribes of Midgard. They showed a dev diary. Game comes out July 27th. Apparently, that game's been known about. I I never heard of it. Don't care about it. Really don't want to talk about it. Homeworld 3 is in development for PC. Okay. Borderlands is getting a spinoff that was announced at Summer Games Fest, but shown here. It's called Tiny Tina's Wonderland, and they showed a development trailer looks kind of fun but looks like an undead borderlands comes out next year and publisher 2k is still going to publish it even though embracer group now owns gearbox um and then they wrapped up with the behind the scenes on the borderlands movie which literally no one cares about so yeah that was that was gearbox 
And then finally is the Summer Games Fest. This happened right before E3, but it's kind of part of E3. It's it's like EA Play where it's like, it's E3. Don't fucking try to act like it's not. But um, Jeff Keighley hosted this, of course, and actually, actually did a pretty good job. This was the only thing worth a damn other than Xbox's showcase in terms of like where Xbox news happened. So they announced Tiny Tina's uh, whatever, which we just talked about. Metal Slug Tactics was announced, but I don't really give a shit about that. I'd rather have a running gun Metal Slug game, so whatever. Then they announced Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is being developed by Frontier Development. Just a cinematic trailer with no release info, but you assume that they're going to try to plan that for like sometime next year, around the time the new movie comes out. Um, then Lost Ark is coming to the West this fall, popular Korean MMORPG, so that's for all you PC nerds out there. Adventure game Sable will release on September 23rd. They showed a new trailer, and it looks interesting. This game actually really does look good. I'm, I'm, I gotta follow up with it. This one, this is one of those games that like I want to play, but I know I'm gonna forget about. But I don't want to forget about it. Next, they announced Two Point Campus. It's coming out next year. This is the guys that do Two Point Hospital, of course. Build a college, do student life thing, make a faculty. Okay, sim game. Stranger Things is getting a crossover with Smite. The only note I wrote for this was Hurt Me. Then the next big game, the, the next thing they announced, this is actually one of the things that I was into, is the uh, Anacrusis, which was announced. This is a, a game that literally looks like Atari. It looks like 1970s Atari disco Left 4 Dead. So it's literally like Left 4 Dead, but it's an alien co-op shooter instead of a zombie co-op shooter. Um, it's in the art style and premise... Sorry, the art style and the premise are really interesting, but the gameplay looks a little rough. Looks like it's in like a really early alpha build, but it's being worked on by a new studio run by Chet uh, Fal. I'm gonna mess this up. Falisek, who left Valve a few years back and and originally worked on like Team Fortress and Left 4 Dead and stuff. So this is his new studio, a new game. It will be console exclusive. Console exclusive to Xbox. Apparently, I I I feel like it's gonna be timed, but they said console exclusive. I think it's timed. It'll be available through Game Pass when it comes out, and it is a cross-play game with cross-play support with PC. It'll also be available on Steam and Epic. So that was actually really surprising. We don't know when that's coming out, but apparently it's coming out sooner rather than later. I think the game looks really cool. It looks rough. It looks like it needs some really serious development touch-up. Um, but, like, I don't know. The problem is, <clears throat> listen, if there wasn't a Back for Blood coming out and a bunch of other similar games in, in the coming months... I'd be pretty into this game. The problem is we've got like an alien be- Left 4 Dead. We've got this game. We've got Back for Blood. We've got that uh, Warhammer Left 4 Dead looking game. It's like, dude, why did everyone decide to make a Left 4 Dead game in 2021? Like, I've been asking for a new Left 4 Dead game for like 10 years. So why the fuck did we wait until 2021 to all release one at the same fucking time? So it's a little frustrating, but nonetheless, I'm excited that we're getting them. Um, this way, at least one or two of them are bound to be good just because we're getting so many. Uh, but yeah, I, I still want to give this game a try. Also, Game Pass. There's no reason not to. Uh, the art style, the setting, and the aliens and everything look cool enough that I'm definitely going to give it a try. It looks very Left 4 Dead, but with aliens. So Next, this was a weird one. This is a, div- a, a, a new publishing arm announced. So, Coke Media, part of Embracer Group, which is part of that THQ Nordic whole conundrum that's really confusing to follow... They announced a new publishing arm through Coke Media, so it's called Prime Matter, and Prime Matter will be in charge of 12 new games coming up under this arm, uh, including a new Gungrave, which I've never heard of, but apparently that was a beloved game, Payday 3, which 
will be pretty anticipated game. I know people love Payday. And a new Painkiller game, which is exciting for me, a game that was actually People Can Fly's first game, although they don't retain the pub, the, the rights to that now Embracer Group does. Um, it'll be exciting to see if they get a developer to do a remake of the original Painkiller or a sequel. Either way, I'm really excited for that. I, I want to play Painkiller. I hope they do a re-release, like a reimagining or a remake of the first one. But yeah, I, I'm really hoping to get that for a Series X. That was exciting, uh, mostly for me, just for the painkiller news. But, God, that Embracer Group, Coke Media, THQ Nordic thing just continues to keep evolving and expanding. And it's just fucking weird and creepy. Next, they announced that Rocket League is getting um, some Fast and Furious cars. I guess the tie-in for the new movie. And then, call it, this is this one kind of hurt me a little bit. This is not Xbox-related, but I wanted to put it out there because, ow. Call of Duty Zombies creator Jason Blundell from Treyarch and Dave Anthony also from Treyarch who's worked on you know pretty serious person behind the first three Call of Duty Black Ops games uh, have left Treyarch left Activision and are forming a new studio called Deviation Games now I would love to say they're making a cake-ass new game FPS that will be very Black Ops 2-esque with awesome zombies mode and coming to Xbox but what they announced was that they're working on a game very early in development. They don't even know what genre it is yet, and they have nothing to say. And they are partnering with PlayStation. So whatever they're working on is not coming to Xbox. So I'm really bummed out about that because these are some really good... This is some really good talent. I would love to see them start a new studio, do a really cool FPS that goes multi-platform. But what this really tells me is that Sony really wants an FPS because they never had a good one. And this is another attempt at trying to get something like that because, let's let's face it, Killzone's not bad, but it sure as hell ain't Halo. So, whatever. That just that was just sad news to me, so I wanted to put that out there. They showed another trailer for that Evil Dead game that was announced last year. I really want to like this game, but it looks a little too much like Dead by Daylight, so I think it's kind of lost on me. It looks like it might have some single-player stuff too, but mostly multiplayer. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this game, but whatever. They wrapped up. The biggest thing they announced, of course, was, or showed, was a gameplay reveal for Elden Ring, and... This is a hard one to talk about. This is the last thing we have to talk about from E3. But it's hard to talk about because this is such an important game. It's such a massive game. And I know there are people listening to this podcast who give a shit about this game. But the problem is I give zero fucks about this game. And not in a mean way. I just It just doesn't do it for me. I don't like Souls games. I really hate medieval fantasy or any kind of subset of that kind of setting. So in every way, shape, and form, Elden Ring does nothing for me. It's so hard for me to feign any kind of enthusiasm or excitement for. The only reason why I keep up with it is because I know it's a very, very highly anticipated game. It's a very important big game. So... I'm trying for you guys. I know you're out there. I know you guys like this shit, but man, I saw this trailer and my reaction was, holy fuck, that looks so boring. But it seems like the, you know, and that's and that's not to detract. If you if you like this, if you're excited for this game, I'm happy for you. It's apparently coming out sooner than we thought, January 21st, 2022. Um, they showed a lot of gameplay. It basically just looks like an open world Souls game, which seems like from the reaction, that's what most fans want. So it looks like people were really pleased. And for that... I'm happy for you. Um, I, I wish I could do some more analysis and deep dive on this, but man, I just don't have any kind of enthusiasm for this game whatsoever. And it would be so disingenuous for me to sit here and try to waste your time for five minutes thinking of something to say about Elden Ring other than to say, looks like the the George R.R. Um, Game of Thrones guy is finally going to put out 
some finished product in the near future. So that that's interesting. And that's it for all the E3 news. Now, uh, here's the crazy part, guys. <laughs> we have a couple of stu- uh, uh, news stories. And in fact, they can't go ignored because if it weren't an E3 fucking week, these would actually be pretty big stories to talk about. So this happened right before E3. This is very Xbox related, very important. This happened right before E3. Windows Central reports ahead of Microsoft's big E3 showcase. The company shared some updates on its roadmap for the Xbox platform in a press in a, in a press and analysis um, meeting, including giving some insights into where Xbox is heading. Microsoft has been. Sorry, Microsoft has seen a record-breaking growth for Xbox, with quarterly revenue and profits hitting all-time high, often on the back of Game Pass. The subscription isn't where the story ends, though. The data shared with analysis, with sorry, with analysts, um, Microsoft painted a picture of a service that seems to have no real downside, while boosted retail spending, engagement, and more game time hours for devs investing in the service. Microsoft also gave some hints for future growth, including streaming devices in new regions, while emphasizing the company still has a lot of work to do. So I'll stop there real quick just to say, it looks like what they're saying is, regardless of how much money they're pouring into Game Pass, it's worth it for them just from the sheer number of people you know, buying games they otherwise wouldn't buy, buying microtransactions, buying DLC, playing games for longer, trying new games they otherwise wouldn't have played. And they're saying all of those things offset enough for them all the money they're pouring into Game Pass. And when I talk about Game Pass's profitability, I'm literally just talking about the cost of subscription versus the the amount of money they're pouring into running that service. So apparently all these, all these trickle-off revenue streams and all these kind of fallout effects as a result of this uh, uh, service are really, really working for them in their favor, and that's great. Now, as you might expect, this is continuing on the story, Game Pass is very central to Microsoft's message for growth, but Phil Spencer said during the presentation that consoles and PC, video game consoles, hardware like the Series X and PC, will always and forever have a place at the heart of Xbox's mission. That sounds like a very time-stamped statement to make, but nonetheless, that's what he said. Microsoft's Liz Harmon, CVP, uh, for gaming experiences and platform, reiterates that indeed Xbox consoles remain the, quote, flagship experience. And this is what I always say, too. The message ultimately explained that Game Pass is simply another option targeting gamers who perhaps can't afford to spend money outright for every piece of software, every big hardware upgrade, and so on. So Spencer used arcades uh, of ages past as a discovery mechanism to see Xbox Game Pass in much the same way. That's an interest. I would love to hear how he actually put that because I I'm not quite sure what that means in in that context. But we'll go into that story. But I want to I want to analyze it in tandem with the next story, which is again from Windows Central. Just basically continuing on. The, I mean, the big news there is that Microsoft is basically saying, regardless of Game Pass and streaming and everything, we see the console and the PC, the physical hardware, as being a very essential part, the most premier experience. And that's why I always say it's like. Microsoft's not trying to get rid of Xbox. They'll let you stream whatever your iPhone or your Surface Pro or whatever. But at the end of the day, no game's going to look and feel as good as sitting on your couch with an Xbox controller in hand and playing a game running on Series X, you know? Anyway, in a blog post on Xbox Wire, Microsoft stated that its intent to bring some cloud streaming goodness to older consoles uh, may be coming soon to help keep up with their aging hardware. And so... Basically, what they announced is that moving forward, basically games like so, for example, I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing because it's it's more fun than just it's more fun than just reading this this dry text. So, 
We talk about games like Flight Simulator, which is the first game that is on Xbox Series X and S and PC, but not Xbox One. And basically what Xbox is saying is they're looking into and working towards, in the future, bringing the ability for next-gen games like Microsoft Flight Simulator to be streamable through xCloud on your console. So let's say you have an Xbox One. And sure, you can play Far Cry 6 on it. You can play um, Halo Infinite on it. You can play Call of Duty on it. Everything's fine. But then Starfield comes out. Starfield's only for Series X, and they're not making a huge deal of that, but Starfield is not coming to Xbox One. Well, hypothetically, or or it seems like it's happening, but they're working on it, the idea is you want to play Flight Simulator or Starfield, which are games that are only on Series X and PC. Well, your Xbox One isn't a total waste of a console now just because it doesn't play those games because what you can do is on your Xbox, you can go into xCloud and stream Starfield and stream Flight Simulator from your Xbox One. So yeah, you can't download to your hard drive and play it, but you can stream it from that old hardware. This is an incredibly smart move. I don't know how... None of us ever said this or thought this. I'm sure someone out there has been saying this for a long time that this has got to be happening, but this never came to my mind. And they also confirmed during the same day that Game Pass cloud streaming would be coming to TV sets in two ways, working on game sticks like Roku and shit that you plug in your TV or getting an Xbox Game Pass app on smart TVs like Samsung TVs and stuff so that that way... So that that way, again, you can have some kind of device to stream to. So this is about like, okay, so your Xbox One is old and the hardware is kind of useless, quote unquote. Like, what do you do with it? Or like, you don't have an Xbox, but you have a smart TV. How do you play Xbox? Streaming. You can stream through the Game Pass app on your smart TV. You can stream through the Game Pass stick hub thing that you plug into your TV. You can use that old Xbox One S um, to stream new games to that console. This way... Your old hardware doesn't become obsolete and you can still have those new experiences. But again, there's still an excuse and a justification for PC gaming, for Xbox Series X, for new hardware, because that's great. But streaming Sky, sorry, streaming Starfield or streaming Flight Simulator is never going to be quite as nice as downloading it to your console and playing it off there natively with super high performance and no latency or lag whatsoever or buffering, beautiful resolution, all these things, obviously. But the big thing here is just one incredible value this is, an incredible way to respect people's purchases. Much in the way that Xbox these days is so like, wow, I bought this game on my Xbox 360 in 2010, and now I can just play it because it's still associated with my Microsoft account. And through backwards compatibility and everything, I can just download it on my Xbox Series X and still play this game that I bought 10 years ago. 12, 11 years ago, whatever it was, you know, we talk about Xbox kind of respecting people's purchases from back in the day in that way. I mean, this is like a serious, like nth degree of that kind of thing where it's like, I bought this Xbox one in 2014 and I can still play the latest and greatest games because I can stream it to this box. Yeah. Everyone has a smart TV and it's not like that special if you could just download a smart TV app, but like Again, it's Microsoft's way of very deliberately and, and thoughtfully being like, listen, man, we don't want you to feel like you're left out or you're obsolete just because you don't have 500 bucks to drop on the Series X or because you can't find a Series X in stock anywhere. Like, 
listen, man, your device is still a computer. It still has internet capabilities. It still has the potential to interact with games in other ways. Let's let's put that machine to its fullest potential. Like, let's give it the features and functions it deserves. This is the kind of pro-consumer stuff you actually really don't expect from big companies like Microsoft. You expect them to be like, hey, pony up and buy our new product. But for whatever reason with the Xbox brand, Microsoft lets Phil Spencer and the team go fucking nuts with this unending fan service just insanely pro-consumer stuff like this. And I fucking love it. It's ingenious. It's so simple, but it's so smart. And I, I didn't think of it, that's for sure. I fucking love it. I mean, we 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 called the smart TV app and the and the streaming stick thing from a mile away, but the ability to use old Xbox hardware to stream newer games so that you can still enjoy the new games with or without a new console, fucking genius. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. And then for players like us, of course, you know, we're all here playing our Series X's and shit, loving it because, well, we are just the elite hardcore. And then the other big story, this is the only other big one, Video Games Chronicle, and we just got to read this exactly as it's typed out, quotes and all, because it's very specific. Video Games Chronicle had a massive story this week and reports that Rare's Everwild has been, quote, completely rebooted. Following the departure of its creative director, uh, sources from Video Games Chronicle have indicated the original IP was notably absent from the uh, E3 showcase on Sunday, especially considering Rare debuted new trailers for the game at each of Microsoft's previous two big events, both last year, last July's showcase event and XO19 in November. According to the publishing sources at VGC, it could be a while before fans receive any significant update on the game at even longer until it gets a release. As as VGC understands, the game's last year the game's creative director Simon Woodrow first reported by VGC left the studio, leading to a complete overhaul of the game's design and direction, as well as significant changes to its senior leadership, according to people with knowledge of Everwild's development, forcing the team to basically restart from scratch, which means it will likely be several years before we see it released. This corroborates comments made by journalist Jeff Grubb in a video that uh, he posted over the past weekend, in which he said that Everwild development was taking longer than expected. We're told that Everwild's development team is now optimistically targeting a 2024 release, although knowing the way games go now will probably get pushed back. And we're in Rare's most senior com- uh, creative employee designer, Greg uh, Malis, has been brought in to lead the reboot. May- Malis or Males, how are you say that? It's arguably the most decorative designer in Rare's history, aside from the founding uh, Stamper brother from founding Stamper Brothers the original Rare Studio. Since 1989, he has led the design on some of the studio's biggest hits, including Donkey Kong Country, Banjo-Kazooie, Viva Pinata, and Sea of Thieves. Everwild's executive producer, uh, Louis O'Connor, confirmed that Males was appointed in response to an advance to an advanced copy of this story, saying, quote, The team behind Everwild continues to shape a truly mag- uh, magical experience and remain focused on the excitement and creating a new game centered around a truly unique new world. And... Greg has joined us late last year's creative director, and the team has never been stronger since showing the world our Eternals trailer. We have been making progress on all aspects of Everwild. The team continues to work hard to realize our vision to bring the magic of in nature in Everwild to life for players around the world. And then after the quote ends, it says a 2024 release would make a decade of development for Everwild, which spent many years in experimental prototyping before its eventual encou- announcement in 2019. 
According to people familiar with the development, Everwild's small team had struggled to define a clear direction for the title beyond its striking art style and soundtrack. As of last year, the game was a third-person adventure game with god game elements, we were told. Uh, one person even said that in particular, the, a mandate from Rare's leadership to not only to not have any combat in the game led to roadblocks in design. Last year, studio head Craig Duncan admitted that Rare hadn't discussed Everwild publicly much because it was still exploring how the title's core themes would translate into gameplay, meaning that they were never that far along. He told Polygon in an interview... We learned a lot from Sea of Thieves. At least at its heart, we love the idea of Sea of Thieves and players creating their own stories together. I think Everwild, Louise O'Connor, and her leadership team are really passionate about giving players a world that they can just lose themselves in. You know, a lot of nature feels magical. So the notion of what does it mean to uh, nurture a world? What does it mean to be in nature? Part of the reason we haven't led... Uh, we haven't talked a lot about Everwild is because we still f are feeling a lot of these things out. We're still playing around with gameplay ideas. We'll have plenty to say in the future, but we have a feeling that we have an idea we feel really passionate about. We think that there's something special. I have a team of people that wake up every morning with a desire to make this game that they're really, really passionate about. So yikes. I, I, I don't read that. I read that story as a lot of like, hey, don't don't worry. Don't worry. Don't, don't pay attention to all the smoke. There's no fire here. But losing the creative director in development, getting a new guy. All these things are not like, all this stuff wouldn't be so terrifying if it weren't for the fact that they announced this game. And what this comes back to for me is looking back at Microsoft and saying, look at how they're managing their studios. What I was complaining about earlier during the Xbox briefing was it's game announcement, no gameplay. Game announcement, no gameplay. Game announcement, no release date, no gameplay. Game announcement, no release date, no gameplay. And... What I cannot get over is the fact that these are deliberate moves to announce these games, to show these games. There are people, you know, uh, there, there's someone at Microsoft whose job it is to say, yeah, we're going to talk about this at E3. Yeah, we're going to talk about this at XO. Uh, we're going to talk about this at, at the Game Awards. And that guy is Phil Spencer. He's He has the final say on these things. And the thing is, it's his job to manage this portfolio of studios. And I love Phil. Like you guys know, I love Phil. He's my he's a, he's my papa. We all love Phil. It's hard to be an Xbox fan and not love Phil, but I can't help but feel like I have to kind of question Phil Spencer a little bit on this because at the end of the day, he's the one responsible for saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll talk about this game or we can announce this game or let's let's do this." And it just it boggles my mind that Everwild was announced in a time where we didn't need to know immediately what Rare was working on. Sea of Thieves was gaining a lot of traction, a lot of popularity. Xbox Game Studio was gr was growing rapidly. We didn't need to know about Everwild's existence, yet they showed it anyway. And then they showed it again. That's the worst part. Is they showed it again shortly afterwards with another trailer that says nothing about the fucking game. And so I can't help but... I don't want to blame Rare for this because I'm like, this isn't Rare's fault. This this clearly sounds like a game that is that a lot of people are really invested in and really want to make, but they haven't figured out what it is yet. So if I'm Phil Spencer, I'm going to go, I'm really glad you guys are invested in this game. I'm really glad you want to make this game. We need to figure out what the game is. We need to figure that out and and make that the focus for the team. And be like, once we know what the game is, and once we can get a prototype build, and we can see if it comes along and if it works together, then we can tell the world about it. But until then, 
don't show it. Just be, because what this tells me is that a lot of really creative and passionate artistic people at Rare came up with a world they really like, an art style they really like, a, a feeling they really like, a theme of nature they really like, but they didn't come up with a game. They don't have a game. They just have a setting, an art style, and a, and a, and a sense of wonder and feel, which is great, but that's not a game. And they had all of that together and said, we can make a tonal trailer about this. And Phil Spencer, the guy who's in charge of, of giving the final sign-off, the yes or no on these things, said, yeah, we can announce that at E3 or at our July event. And yeah, we can talk about that again at XO19 in a couple months. The guy with the final say said not only, yeah, we can announce this, even though we don't have a game for it yet, but then we can then follow up and show another fucking teaser for it. And so... I don't know what to say. It sounds like... I, I'm not going to say this game's in development hell because it's not even fully in development yet. It's the problem. That's that's what I'm getting at. Is we've been shown this game way too early. And don't get me wrong. Listen, I also... I, I see why the team at Rare is so excited about this game because I also see these two trailers and go, this game looks stunning. What the fuck is it? It has a very, it has a very similar kind of feeling to the first time we saw Sea of Thieves, where they did a tonal trailer before we saw what the game was. Where I was like, I am enchanted by like, or entranced by what I'm seeing here. Like, I want to know more about this. Now, unfortunately for me, Sea of Thieves ended up not being my cup of tea. But visually, still to this day, I think Sea of Thieves is one of the coolest looking games on the market right now. Rare has it just oozes with per, with personality and art direction, art design chops that are kind of unparalleled in a lot of ways. I love that about Rare. But at the end of the day, you know, for as much as I appreciate and love that about Sea of Thieves, I don't play Sea of Thieves. It's not my kind of game. So with a game like Everwild, it's like, what's the fucking game? Like, I want to love Rare. I love Rare. I like Viva Piñata. I like Conquer. I like I like Banjo-Kazooie a lot. I love old Rare. They make great games. And I want to love Rare. I want to give them money for a fucking video game and sit down and play one of their games. But like, what you're showing me is in the game, and now what this story is telling us is that you guys didn't have a game all along, and now you're switching hands to a new creative director. And listen, I'm I'm not I'm not here saying, oh, this game's fucked. They lost their creative director, and now they got a new one. I'm I'm not worried about it. Again, this game is in early development. This is the point where they're still trying to properly build the team up and figure out what they're making here. Like, that's fine. That's that's okay. If you lose someone like that early in development, that's not that's not like all is lost. We're good. But the problem is, you've announced this game and shown it twice, and you're and, and you don't even have a concept of what the game is yet. So the no wonder why the second time you showed it, we were like, "What the fuck is this game? Why are you showing it again if you have nothing new to say?" No wonder why we were so confused because they didn't have anything to show. So to me, this isn't like a "Oh, Everwild's fucked" kind of situation. What this really is is like a this game shouldn't have been announced. It really shouldn't have been because now. It's just another name on the long list of Xbox games that's like, oh, we've seen this, but we don't know what it is yet. And let me pull up that list again, and I'll read it, and I'll add the games from E3 this year to it. That's like, we know nothing about this fucking game, but it's out there. And it, based on, and I think I'm missing one or two, but he, here it is now. Now it's Redfall, Contraband, Hellblade 2, State of Decay 3, Everwild, Avowed, Fable, Perfect Dark, Forza Motorsport. That is a long list. Oh, I, and I, you know what else you can throw in there? Since since Bethesda is now Xbox, Elder Scrolls Six. 
That was that was Bethesda's mistake before Microsoft bought them. But now that they're together, that's Microsoft's problem. So this is a list of like nearly ten, uh, like around ten fucking games, give or take. That it's just like, why are all these games out there? Why do we have so many cinematic trailers? Why do we have so many names? So it's like developer, video game name, tonal piece. It's like okay, when? What's the game? Like how? Like what? What is this? So again, with with am I am I worried that that Everwild's fucked? No, it's too early in development to know. The problem is is someone made the decision to announce this game and show it off like this, knowing full well that we were nowhere near close to being ready to show it. And and again, it's like I, again for the millionth time this episode, I'm not mad. I got plenty of games to play. I'll be fine. I'm excited to check out that Pirates of the Caribbean DLC for. Uh, for Sea of Thieves, so maybe that will give me my fix for rare content. But I can't help but question the reasoning and in, in the decision behind the scenes to be like, yeah, let's announce this game and show it twice. When all along, they didn't even have a fucking game, you know? Like, you, you realize, like, this is how games work. Like, I know you're not a dumb audience. You guys get this. Like, 343 is working on a game that's not Halo Infinite right now, because that's how games are made. Coalition's working on a game right now. I don't know if it's a new Gears. They're probably working on a new Gears and something else. Because that's how games are made. Think of every Xbox studio. The team at the Coalition is probably thinking of other projects other than Perfect Dark, you know? Every studio is working on things. They have they have coals in the fire. They have ideas floating around the office. They have proposals and all this kind of shit. That's just, This is how games are made. This is how game studios work, you know? Fucking Obsidian, who's working on Avowed, Outer Worlds 2, and Grounded all at the same time right now. They probably got a fourth idea, too. They're not they're not ready to make it. They're not going to show it. But this is how game studios work, is you have creative people who have ideas for games, and they throw them out there. And some of them get made, and some of them don't. Some of them, they try to make something out of it, and it doesn't pan out, and so they have to abandon the idea. And Everworld seems like it, sh- it falls somewhere in that category, somewhere in that realm of, like, this is something in the studio that they're thinking on. And, and, and maybe it's a little further along. You know, see if these is a couple years old. They're big studios. Time to work on something new. So Everwild's probably a little further along than that. But like, God, man, like you don't have a game yet. Why are you showing this? Why are you announcing this? There's, I haven't, before Everwild was announced, you know, in, tw- in 2019, throughout most of 2019, I never once heard someone say like, Yo, what, it, for like, someone tell me, like, what the fuck is Rare up to? It's been so long. No no one was saying that. So what was the need? I also didn't hear anyone saying, like, Xbox has no fucking games. It's Rare's turn to go. It's not like they just bought a bunch of new talent or they're about to put out a new Halo game. No one was saying that either in 2019. Everyone was like, wow, Xbox is getting real aggressive about new studios. That's what they were saying in 2019. So what was the need to announce Everwild? And that's kind of where I am with that. And we'll and we'll stop there. That's it for all of our news. Now, of course, we do have important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions. We only have one. Aren't we so lucky? In fact, this is probably where we should have put the Capcom, Gearbox, the Square Enix, and Ubisoft press conferences. But just one. Windows Central reports Xbox Game Studio lead Matt Booty said directly that it's Microsoft that Microsoft's intent is to have one major exclusive from first-party studios be able to launch every quarter into Game Pass. It's a fairly tall order, 
and really underlines Microsoft's efforts to acquire more and more studios in its first party roster. And that might play in a little bit to what I've been saying. This theme of this episode is they want to have this really steady flow again. So I think about like, I, I tell you guys all the time. I listen to Colin Moriarty's PlayStation podcast, um, sacred symbols. He has a very similar approach to PlayStation that I used to have to Xbox, which is like, listen, I'm a big fan of this brand. I want to try everything. You know, like he, he always says like, if it's a first party game, he wants to try it out. And with Sony, that's so realistic. Even with Nintendo, it's kind of realistic, you know, that it's like, oh, I'm going to play Ghost of Tsushima and God of War and Uncharted and The Last of Us. And even some of the smaller things like Concrete Genie and that medieval remake they made a few years ago. Um, And just all these games because PlayStation puts out a really decent amount of content, but it's at a a clip that's easy to follow. You know, you could potentially, you could possibly play every first party Sony game as they come because that, that flow is like, it's steady. Like you get new content regularly, but it's like, not like so much at once that you can never catch up. Xbox is departing that because of game pass. We're getting to the point where Xbox, where it's like too many studios, too many games, too much content. I could never keep up. And I used to be that way with Xbox. I want to try and play everything, you know, especially in the Xbox one generation. I tried to play, every single first party game that came out, but that's becoming harder and harder now in the age of game pass and in the age of Xbox owning so many studios, because I mean, I, I look dude, for, first of all, I'm never playing age of empires four. That's just never happening, you know? And Microsoft flight simulator is a game. I will dabble in. I'm, I won't play it. I will dabble with it. So we're getting more and more to that point, which kind of makes me a little sad because I'm like, I can't keep up with all this, but at the same time, it's great because it's not about, the hardcore Xbox fans playing every Xbox game. It's about having something for everyone, a little something for everyone. You're not supposed to be in every game, you know? You not. You don't have to buy everything. I know a lot of you out there probably don't care about Forza Horizon 5. I do. You, might be, you maybe don't. But there will be games that you care about that I don't. I care about that you don't. And that's just kind of the magic of Game Passes. There's always new shit coming in that you're bound to find something you like. But... Man, I mean, we we talked about it. Maybe that was what they were playing all along, right? And sure enough, Matt Booty confirmed it. Trying to have that quarterly content. That's that's impressive. But that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Let's wrap up with our closing segments, guys. It is, after all, the longest episode of Xbox On. We're almost at four fucking hours. We got five new games coming out this week. So we'll just rattle them off. We got Galactic, or sorry, Gaelic Wars Battle Simulator, June 16th. I don't know what the fuck that is. We got... Uh, Helleborn coming out June 16th. I don't know what the fuck that is either, but there's helicopters. Helleborn. Uh, we got Wingspan coming June 17th. This looks like a bird card collecting game. I'm literally not making that up. And then we got Discolored June 17th, which is an Xbox One X enhanced game, puzzle adventure game. Looks kind of cool. Looks like the best of these five games, but it's a really weak lineup nonetheless. Then as a reminder for games of gold, you got King's Bird available until the end of the month on the 30th. And then you've got Shadows Awakening, which is now available until July 15th. Uh, and then you got Neo Geo Battle Coliseum, which is a, which is no longer available. It was only here until the 15th. And then you got Injustice Gods Among Us, which was which is available now until the 30th. Did I, I think I might have missed Neo Geo. I don't know. What anyway, guys, it's been four hours. I'm losing my voice. If you can't tell, uh, thank you so much for your patience. I know this episode it's going up at the regular time, but I wanted to go out early because of E3, but I appreciate you guys being patient while I was out of town. And, uh, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please let me know if, what you think, what your thoughts of E3 were. I'm very curious to hear you, from you guys about what you liked, didn't like, if you thought I was being a little too hard on Microsoft or maybe you like how hard I get. I don't know. Do you like how hard I get?
Power your dreams. Me of some.